Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 11th, 2022, including Xbox bites back at Sony's comments on Call of Duty, Microsoft speaks on Activision deal for the first time in a while, Xbox Series S is about to get more powerful, and more. On this day in Xbox history, Boyfriend Dungeon, a download-only title which launched in Game Pass, was released for the Xbox Series consoles, Xbox One, and through Cloud Gaming last year, just last year, 2021. I think that game literally just left Game Pass, so like today or sometime really close to today. Oh well. Guys, welcome to episode 167 of the Xbox On podcast. I had to double check. I think it's 167. That is correct. It is 167. Guys, I'm actually really excited about this podcast. I feel like I've said that the past three weeks in a row, but I'm genuinely excited. This isn't because I'm in a great podcasting mood, despite the fact there's no news. This is because there's actually really interesting news to talk about this week. It's been no doubt if you've been listening to this show regularly or any of your Xbox podcasts regularly, you've probably noticed the news has been slow as shit lately and it's just not been all that interesting. But boy, oh boy, we've got like some really good stuff to talk about. So I'm really excited to get into that. I think this has the potential to be probably one of the better episodes in quite a while. Also, we got some really good comments I'm excited to get into as well. So plenty to talk about, plenty to do, as long as I stay on track, don't get distracted too much, and remember to say things that make good sense to listen to and hear from your end of the of the, of the, of the, the deal. Maybe this will be a good Xbox podcast for auditory experiencing. Okay, guys, let's get right down to business. That's right, no fiddling around. I used to do a lot of, oh, let's read a cute comment here or talk about food there. No, you guys didn't like it. We gotta get down to brass tacks. God damn it. Video games aren't meant to be fun. They're serious business. So let's talk about our stories of mild amusement, updates from last week, corrections if applicable, and spoiler alert, they aren't, and whatnot. Starting with our Activision updates for the week, you guys, what's going on with the lawsuit? What's going on with the acquisition, the merger? Nothing. We got plenty of Activision Xbox stuff to talk about in the news, but nothing regarding Bobby Kodak and his hands that can't keep it in his own pants or whatever the hell the saying is. We're not talking about that. We're going to go straight into Grand Theft Auto V with a follow-up story from last week, guys. Well, I guess maybe that was two weeks ago. But you remember recently we talked about the whole GTA 6 uh, rumors and, and stuff that was coming out about that, the whole expose or, uh, I guess, info dump if you even want to call it, it really wasn't that much information. But the the little bit of teasing we got on Grand Theft Auto 6 coming from Bloomberg, you know, the story the story about the Miami setting or the South Florida setting um, taking place with two female characters. You'll play as a female character for the first time in the series, a lady of Latin descent, perhaps, uh, as a protagonist. And also they're trying to make the game more culturally sensitive, which is just antithetical to the whole entire purpose of Grand Theft Auto, a game where, yes, they make fun of people regardless of their religion or skin color or gender, but you also mass murder people, so who gives a shit? But anyway, let's let's get a little update on that story. So VGC reports the only news source I trust because, well, if they have all the stories we got to talk about, it makes it easier for me to write the news. Just kidding, I work very hard 
kind of. VGC reports several games that aren't a part of Xbox Game Pass may be coming to... Oh, shit. I got a little ahead of myself. We will talk about uh, a follow-up of that next. This has a little bit to do with Grand Theft Auto, and then the next story has more to do with Grand Theft Auto. So let's real quick touch on this, and then the next story. Whatever. It's still a good setup anyway. Fuck you. I'm a good podcast host. All right. As spotted by Twitter user... Nobel broke broke fuck you guys make easy make easy twitter names the xbox store page for gta 5 elden ring soul hacker 2 have all received cloud gaming beta logos however when vgc attempts to play the games they received an error message suggesting that the labels have been applied early or incorrectly microsoft confirmed earlier this year that they intend to roll out the ability for xbox game pass ultimate members to play from the cloud select games they already own or have purchased outside the game pass library to cloud stream at this time that functionality uh, would appear to be added later has not been officially confirmed to release anytime too soon or specific right so yeah people notice hey there's there's like a prompt some people were getting that was like oh would you like to play a game like elden ring or gta 5 streamed from the cloud rather than download and play it off your hard drive assuming it's a game you already own in your library rather than a game pass title which is up until this point, the only way you've been able to stream games through the cloud were through Game Pass titles specifically. So this is obviously something we knew was coming. Um, it isn't here yet, but it looks like it might be coming sooner rather than later because it looks like there's some series beta testing behind the scenes that isn't supposed to be getting out to the public, but people are starting to see a little bit behind the curtains. So that's cool. I think it is no coincidence that we're seeing games like GTA V and Elden Ring because you look at what Xbox has been talking about with massive uptick in cloud gaming and in interest for that service uh, with the movement of Fortnite going to cloud service and you being able to do it through Game Pass by going on to a web browser, whether it be on your tablet or your phone or whatever, and playing Fortnite through the cloud via web browser thanks to uh, that game no longer being available on app stores. So I, I think I think this has a lot to do with that. They, they really like the amount of usership and, and attention that cloud streaming is getting because of a massive game like Fortnite. So they're probably very eager to get other massively successful games like Grand Theft Auto V or Elden Ring on that service. So no coincidence there. They're trying to get the really heavy hitters to draw a lot of attention, a lot of usership towards this uh, cloud gaming service. So not much else to say there, but definitely interesting. We'll have to continue to keep an eye on that. I'm sure that will be very soon, probably in the coming weeks. Wouldn't be surprised if we hear about that at Gamescom, actually. All right, now getting into the more pertinent Grand Theft Auto news that what I was setting us up for. Grand Theft Auto 6, let's follow up on our story from last Last week or two weeks ago, I'm, I'm drunk, I don't remember. Uh, Windows Central, I guess we do use another source sometimes. Windows Central says, the next Grand Theft Auto title game will be, will, quote, set creative benchmarks for the series, our industry, and for all entertainment, end quote, according to Take-Two Interactive CEO Strauss Zelnick, who, uh, which he stated in, bold, in the bold claim reflects the publisher's ambition for the forthcoming entry with development well underway, according to remarks from the first quarter earnings on this uh, this past Monday. Quote, sales of GTA 5 also remain strong, and to date the title has sold nearly 170 million units, said Zelnick. That dude, that is fucking beyond comprehensible. Uh, with development of the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series well underway, the Rockstar Games team is determined to once again set creative benchmarks for the series our industry and for the and for all entertainment just as the label has done with every one of the frontline releases take two interactive remains vague with comments surrounding gta 6 more news on the title has the avail and availability uh still some time out some analysts suggest the game could come up in the 2024 fiscal year for take two suggesting a late 2023 or early 24 release date personally i feel like it'd be surprising to see gta in the next 
12 to 16 months. However, what the fuck do I know? It, we're, we're dealing with a very different Rockstar, a very different take two, because traditionally the way Rockstar like to handle their games would be like, hi, we're, we're going to go very, very quiet for a long ass time. And when we're ready to release the game, we'll let you know like three months in advance. Here are a couple screenshots. Boom. Here's a trailer. Boom. It's out. You know, that's kind of like how we traditionally got games like Grand Theft Auto uh, or even Red Dead. And now that's different. I think everything kind of changed when Red Dead Redemption 2 they tried to announce it and release it in a similar vein. They were like, here's a fall 2016 reveal for a spring 2017 release. And then the game got pushed back to the fall. And then the game got pushed back to t- fall 2018. And then it was, I, I wonder if something about that experience gave them a taste of like, you know what? This just isn't how you can market big games like this anymore. It's 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 too finicky with the development costs and or the the the, the, the road to development. And maybe it's just, you know, the, they got to concede that, Nowadays, if you, if you want to market a game, you just got to understand the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows you're working on something, and you're just going to have to be a little more open-lipped about it from, from stem to stern with the development process. That is my assumption, which is why we're getting a lot more, I don't know, as the story and as others say, we're pretty tight-lipped on GTA 6. I think there's enough rumbling, enough talking around it that it's as if they are openly talking about it, you know, this, with all the speculation the, in, the, in the leaking and whatnot. But I guess that's just a, a, a perspective, I suppose. Anyway, I don't know, man. Grand Theft Auto 6, as, as, obviously as well off as, as Take-Two and everyone at Rockstar are for this game being, you know, GTA 5, that is, being what it has been with just being one of the all-time greatest selling video games of all time. Has having incredible legs and sustainability past its its uh, initial launch with it with its GTA Online program and everything. Obviously, you know the, the, those guys have done quite well for themselves. But still, despite that, I do not envy the position they're in to have to deliver a follow up to GTA Five. It has been so damn long. The expectations are so incredibly fucking high. Like God, you think you think Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven was a tough was a tough act having to follow uh, Witcher three. Like that is nothing. That is nothing compared to what GTA has to do to top, well, not only GTA 5, but also Red Dead Redemption 2 in, from, by a different metric. Because even though, of course, Grand Theft Auto is a much bigger franchise than Red Dead, Red Dead, I think, is a way better franchise when you're looking at it from a more um, critical perspective or more like our video games art kind of perspective, where I, I easily say Red Dead Redemption 2 is top five, one of the greatest experiences as video games shown as an art form, period. Just hands down, without a doubt, no debate. Um, such an immaculate game. And now they had to follow all that shit up with so many years of hype and such a changing landscape in gaming, such a different expectation for what games are in 2022 and the way that Grand Theft Auto Online has entirely reformed what the franchise is. So it's not enough to just make the next Grand Theft Auto game. There's this whole expectation of like, what do you do with GTA Online? Does it just continue onward? Do you scrap GTA Online and build GTA Online 2.0? Do you bake it into the main campaign to where the two kind of are intertwined in a way that's like when you're playing one, you're playing the other? What do you do? And it's 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 tricky. Like whatever decision they make, it's it, no one knows if it's the right answer until we see what happens when the game hits the market and people respond. Because I, the world, it, like going from Grand Theft Auto Four to Grand Theft Auto Five, yeah, Grand Theft Auto was a huge franchise back in those days. But 
people just wanted the next Grand Theft Auto game. Now, I don't know what people want from Grand Theft Auto 6. Do you know Grand, what people are expecting from this game? Does, does Take-Two, do Rockstar know what their audience is, is anticipating with this? And, you know, to top it off, they lost their core talent. They've lost the writers behind these, these games, which is, in my opinion, just everything that makes these games what they are. Or, or you know, I'd say at least... At least for for newcomers to the series, you know, like what what is Grand Theft Auto on the surface level? It's it's a really fun game where you can shoot people and fly off buildings and basically do whatever the fuck you want. And it's also a game that's really really funny and it makes really you know makes really nice tongue in cheek kind of humor about everyone and everything. And now we're facing a a world where it's like we have to readdress what this game even is from a gameplay perspective and and from how we approach this whole online aspect versus the single player narrative aspect. Plus, you lost your core talent that that made this franchise. And uh, you're also talking about trying to be more culturally sensitive on top of all that. And it's just like, dude, I like, can you imagine a Grand Theft Auto 6 where there is technically no way to play it solo offline? It just is a shared world online multiplayer experience. And on top of that, the game is just not nearly as well written or funny because you've lost your core guy. And on top of that, the game is trying to be culturally sensitive while also letting you mass murder people. Like, we won't make fun of women or transgender people or people of color or any of this shit because we don't want to be a target in the community and we don't want to, you know, stir stir the pot. But at the same time, your character can fucking walk into a hospital and mow down a fucking crowd of people and just be like, yeah, whatever. It's Grand Theft Auto. So it's like, I, there's a lot going on with this game. I, like, like I said, when we talked about it a week or two ago, I'm very excited about GTA 6, but not because like I can't wait to play it. I am relatively excited to play it. It's more so because I just cannot, I, I just cannot guess. I, I, I don't have a good gut feeling as to which direction this game's going to go and how people are going to respond to it. And I am insanely curious to see how this goes from here. And uh, I'm, dude. I mean, I, I listen. I'm not. What is that? Like a chaos, like dooms day hoper, whatever the fucking call. You know, like people who just hope for the worst to see chaos ensue and get a kick out of it. But I don't know, man. Like I, I don't have the best feeling about where we're headed with GTA Six. I don't. I don't mean to be so pessimistic. I just can't. I can't see how, despite all the new obstacles they face, that they just somehow pull it off and nail all the things. To me, I think the safest bet and probably what I would want to be the, the case is for them to just basically make a next-gen version of GTA V. Now it's in Miami, still got a separate single-player experience here and a separate online component there, and everything's just done up. It's bigger, it's better, the fidelity's higher and whatever, but I'm not the average GTA player. I'm the guy who played GTA V one time in 2013 when it came out on Xbox 360. I beat it. I said, what's this GTA Online component? I jumped in for maybe 45 minutes and said, no fucking thank you, and I haven't played the game since. And so I'm very much not, you know, that target market for Grand Theft Auto, so I it, it's I, I can't speak to any real, on any real authority. I think Grand Theft Auto has become something so different over the past roughly decade at this point that you know, if you come to this franchise with an older perspective like the one I have or my experiences with the franchise when I was more into it back in the like PS2 era, I, I think maybe you're at this point you're talking about an entirely different franchise. So I don't know. We'll have to see. All right. Next up, guys, 
this is the story's a mild amusement. We're not even into the good stuff. And look how much we got to talk about, dude. Fuck you, man. Any other podcast in your queue, why don't you go ahead, do yourself a favor, do your phone a favor, delete it. Free up some storage, baby, because cracks knuckles. This is the only podcast you need this week. And if you get, and if you finish it, if you get through the podcast, I'm going to call it now. This episode's going to be two hours and 17 minutes long. That's my guess. If you finish all two hours and 17 minutes and you go, damn, now what do I listen to? Bitch, listen to this podcast again. Memorize these words. This podcast will be as quotable as Spider-Man 2, uh, 2004, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Alfred Molina and Tobey Maguire. Next up, let's talk about Bandai Namco. They have seemingly, and this is something I have almost nothing to say on, seemingly have a have briefly teased Tekken 8. During the EVO 22 fighting game tournament this past weekend, the publisher revealed a trailer announcing a free update to Tekken 7, which was released in, like, 2015 as well as the game's global finals, which is cool. Uh, it's cool. However, the trailer ended with a brief teaser showing some cutscenes in which Kazuya drops Heihachi off the edge of a cliff at the end of the first Tekken. The trailer, you know, the Smash Brothers thing, the, the Tekken thing, the guy over the cliff and drops him. The trailer ended with Kazu- Kazuya smiling at the screen and the screen changing to a far more realistic render of Kazuya in the words, get ready, although the teaser didn't explicitly state it was Tekken 8. There hasn't been a new Tekken game for seven years, so a new one is due. Tekken 7 was released in 2015 and has been receiving regular updates, DLC updates, uh, since then. So, yeah, I mean, dude, there's no doubt this is a tease for Tekken 8. When we get it, I don't know. Didn't they say, like, last week that Tekken 8 or big, substantial Tekken news will not be at Gamescom? which is coming up really soon, or am I misremembering that, or was that Street Fighter? I, I gotta be really honest with you guys. As as iconic, as important as these franchises are, I'm not a big fighting game person, and so to me, I know Tekken is different from Street Fighter. I know these have massive communities. I know these are massively important games, but to me, I'm just like fighting game, fighting, blah, 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 and I just, I, I tune out. So I don't actually know. I'm complete layman on this, but uh, judging by the trailer, which I, I briefly saw, they're clearly teasing the next entry. They're not gonna, well, they're not gonna have like a 2.0 patch to Tekken 7 and be like, all right, guys, we're just uh, here's a complete overhaul of the game. I know, especially with a lot of these fighting games, things are very finicky with the communities, and and you have to kind of keep every game isolated from one another. Um, you can't just like rework the entire system and refresh and overhaul it because you know then you have the potential to isolate and in or uh, rather scare off your audience and and, uh, and and ruin what you got. So it's more than likely they got Tekken Eight on the way. Plus you need something to combat the next Street Street Fighter Six. That's a that's a been hype all over the industry as we've seen more and more teases and reveals for that game. So. That is my guess, but uh, wow, I will fall asleep if we have to talk any more about fighting games. So guys, that's it for our Stories of Mild Amusement updates, corrections, things of that nature. How about that GTA news, baby? So hope that was a good little warm-up for you guys. Now we're going to get into the news, but you know how this works. We're not that buttoned up. We're not that professional. We can't be that... Asynchronous. We can't be that synchronous. We can't just go, oh, we went from the small stories into the main chunky news. We got to talk about the games I've been playing this week because I've been playing some video games in my free time. It's what I assume many of you do. And so let's talk about that. But before I can tell you about what I've been eating, I got to tell you about what's been fueling me as a gamer. And well, what fuels me other than food? Fuck you. Nothing else. What I've been eating, let's talk about it. Guys, last week I dropped a little hint of things to come. I said, you know how it is. Like we get in our little moods from time to time where it's like, for some reason, I'm weirdly obsessed with this hobby today. Tomorrow might be that thing. But lately, my thing has been 
you know, I, I've always been a food guy. I like food. I enjoy eating it. But I also have a genuine appreciation for the art of cooking, for culinary arts. I've always enjoyed watching TV and YouTube videos about culinary, learning about the history, cooking methods, seeing how things are made. Um, also, I, I spent 10 years of my life working in restaurants and on the wrong side of restaurants, I might add, front of house as a, as a server in those various roles. I've always had a big admiration for the kitchen where the food is made. I think it's truly one of the most underappreciated, underlooked, underlooked art forms there really is. Everyone loves food. Everyone needs to eat. Um, obviously, the celebrity chefs get their praise. You know, Gordon Ramsay, he does well for himself. He has some respect. But, you know, you, you go to, like, your local mom-pop restaurant, whatever the case may be, you know, those people in the kitchen, those are, those are like, I don't even, I know this is going to sound cornball as hell, but like, I genuinely mean this. Like, that's, that's art, what they're doing. You know, assuming it's a, it's a restaurant with a passion driven focus with the food and a passion driven menu. And, you know, it's not, you know, fucking Burger King, like, hey, we're flipping burgers because we all got to make $12 an hour to not be able to afford rent because that's how the world works now. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm just, you know what I mean? So anyway, whatever. I'm in my weird, my weird food phase right now. Just everything is exciting me. And speaking of celebrity chefs, Wolfgang Puck, a personal friend and hero of mine. Yes, you heard that right. I know Wolfgang Puck. He and I, we go way back. Um, not the name drop or nothing, but he knows me. I know him. He probably will be on the podcast at some point because what you might not know about him is Wolfgang Puck is a little bit of a big old Xbox fan. Yes, that's right. He's got some stuff to say about Halo Infinite, so get ready for his hot takes at some point in time. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today, guys. Wolfgang Puck has inspired me to cook food so that I don't die. And, you know, the past couple days, I've been borderline weak. I've been uh, just kind of going through old Wolfgang Puck recipes from the past, like, 15, 20 years and just being like, ah, let me try this, let me try this. I found this new uh, local vegetable produce market uh, not too far from where I work, so I've been stopping by there, picking up some different produce items to get some fresher, more flavorful shit. You know, working on a little veggie soup here, a little uh, baked chicken with some, uh, some like, w mustard wine sauce and some sweet onions and just all, you know, nothing, like, too crazy. I'm not over here making fucking, uh, making omelets or some shit like that, but, you know, trying to, trying to be a little creative, exercise my limited but potentially existent culinary abilities, and, guys, it's been fun. You know, we always talk about the fast food. We talk about the Taco Bell. We love Taco Bell. We talk about this place versus that place. That place, you know, it's always chain restaurants and fun shit like that and junk food. Because let's be honest, who doesn't love junk food and fast food and talking that stuff? It, it goes hand in hand with gaming, no doubt. But I want to give a shout out to the finer, the finer foods in life, man. We got those guys out there daring to combine different flavors and use the freshest ingredients and try to push the boundaries and meld our minds with what's possible with culinary arts and uh shout out to wp my boy who will no doubt at some point be on the podcast because like i said he's absolutely a huge xbox fan he absolutely is my friend and he's real and i promise you i'm not making this up wink wink you can't tell it's not a video podcast but uh yeah shout out to wolfgang puck your recipes have served me well the past few days guys think about this what's a grilled cheese sandwich and if you said grilled, you know, you take some slices of bread, you put it on a stovetop, a little butter there, you put some couple, couple slices of cheese, and you put it all together, and boom, it's a grilled cheese. No, fuck you. Wolfgang Puck taught me what a grilled cheese can be. You get some sourdough, some Italian bread, whatever you got, you know, you put on a little grill, you got your butter there, of course, but boom, boom, you're slapping that shit with provolone, some prosciutto, some salami, you're getting some stout mustard on there, chop up some jalapenos, throw that shit in there. Dude, best grilled cheese sandwich I ever had. Takes just as long to make as a regular grilled cheese. 
infinitely better. Also infinitely more expensive, so I will not be eating grilled cheese like that regularly. But dude, infinitely better than a regular grilled cheese. That's what I'm talking about. It's just, you know, not making food all that complicated. Just taking shit that tastes good and making it all be like, hey, I, we're friends now. We're going to get married because why not put prosciutto, jalapeno, and provolone all together into some form of a grilled cheese sandwich? It's, it's all good shit, man. So shout out to the real cooking, the real chefs, the real culinary arts, which we don't shine a light on all that much because, you know, we're too busy talking about the latest Taco Bell menu offerings. That's cool. It's all good. But I don't want to completely ostracize the audience, you know, make you guys feel complete outcasts and like, what, what is this world we live in? Jesse's supposed to be talking to me about the optimal sauce at, at McDonald's to use on my chicken nuggets. I need to know, is he a barbecue, a ranch, a sweet and sour guy? Where are we on this debate? But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about. Well, to make sure you still feel left in the conversation, like your voice is still heard, I do have one pressing question I want to present to you regarding the chain restaurant, regarding the junk food. You guys, we talked about Golden Crowl at my job today. And here's the thing about Golden Crowl. Golden Crowl, and I don't know what countries Golden Crowl operates in outside the U.S., so apologies if, if you're like in Australia or Mexico or some shit and you're just like, I, what the fuck is Golden Crowl? But guys, in all honesty, no one likes Golden Crowl. Golden Crowl is objectively a bad restaurant. And if you're a Golden Crowl lover, hold off. Before, before you get mad and type in a mean comment, hold off. No one likes Golden Crowl. Their food sucks. It's a bad restaurant. However, everyone goes there at some point. You might say, I haven't been in Golden Crowl in 13 years. Fuck off. Everyone goes to Golden Crowl. I don't understand what this is. I've been to Golden Crowl maybe five, five or six. So between five and seven times in my life. I don't know why I can narrow it down that specifically. It's a little it's a little concerning, but I'm pretty sure it's been around that many times in my life I've been to a Golden Crowl. Definitely haven't been to one in the past five years. But for some reason, I know I hate Golden Crowl. I know every time I go to Golden Crowl, I, I don't want to be there. But every couple of years, I need to go back to Golden Crowl to reaffirm to myself that I don't like it. Does that make sense? And for those of you who don't know what Golden Crowl is, it is a god-awful buffet chain restaurant in the in the states that serves everything it's like you want steak you want cheeseburgers you want pizza you want fucking mexican food you want a bunch of different random ass asian food you want fucking uh, apple pie you want a chocolate fondue fountain you want freaking rice crispy treats and a soft serve sunday bar you want breakfast food you want dinner food you want whatever you want fucking mashed potatoes and baked chicken right next to chicken lo mein like it's it's all whatever it is designed to get fat lazy americans in the door for fucking 10 11 bucks and get them all fat and give them heart attacks and heart disease and all that good shit and then you get yourself out there and i think you know everyone usually agrees whatever you know golden crowl oh i, I like their dinner rolls everyone's got that one thing they're oh golden crowl sucks but i like their dinner rolls golden crowl sucks but i like their blueberry pie I i'm here to say golden crowl absolutely sucks but for whatever reason Every couple years, I'm like, oh yeah, Golden Crowl exists. I need to go to one of those and eat until I feel like dog shit to remind myself why I hate it, and then I will stay away for another five years. It's a restaurant that I know is not good. I've never had a genuinely good top to bottom, well, like, fine experience in this establishment. But I have fond memories of it, and I have a good a good perception of it for some reason. Like, every time I drive by Golden Crowl, I'm like, oh, that would be fun. We should go there sometime. Can you imagine, like, that kind of relationship? That is, like, by definition, an abusive relationship. It makes me feel like shit when I go there. I don't enjoy it. I want to be gone when I'm there. But then I immediately forget and I go, oh, that's a nice place. We should go there sometime. 
That's I don't know. It's like coming from an abusive family and then just like 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 getting beat by like your dad or something growing up and then, you know, as an adult driving by your childhood house and being like I miss I miss dad. I want to see dad. I hope he doesn't I should go home and see how dad's doing. It's like no man, stop. We hate to see you this way, but Golden Crow, you're my abusive father and uh it's, it's 5 years, man. I think it's time we maybe maybe uh do the the uh the old ritual again. Anyway, guys, let's talk about what I've been playing. Here's the most disappointing part of the podcast. I still don't have too much to talk about here. I don't know what's happening in my weekends. I fucking, you get 48 hours to live a life and then it's back to the old grind Monday through Friday where you're fucking slave to the system. I don't understand what happens. I wake up on Saturday morning. I'm like, I'm going to do so much this weekend. I'm going to play five video games, spend substantial time with my girlfriend, cook a beautiful dinner and make two YouTube videos and stream. And then it's like four o'clock on Saturday and you're like, oh my God, I haven't showered yet. What the hell am I doing with my life? So anyway, that's me. Uh, I, I, I want to play Plague Tale Innocence. I'm sorry, guys. I told you I downloaded it. I blue-balled you. Still haven't played it. I played Black Ops Cold War. It, it's one of those things where it's like, if I realize I'm not going to have a good weekend to myself, like a lot of time to myself, I write off the ability to play a game that's like heavily narrative-driven. I'm like, oh, okay, something like Plague Tale, I want to play it, but I need a wide-open schedule to enjoy it. So I'm writing that off the list. It's on hold until next weekend. I do know I'll have maybe an hour here, two hours there to play games like this morning or that afternoon. So that's when you go back into your comfort food gaming. You know, that's when it's like, okay, I'll play Forza. I'll play Halo. I'll play Call of Duty for a couple hours because I can turn on a podcast, unwind with an hour or two of this, and I don't have to get invested in something I'm going to have to remove myself from. So that's why it is that way. So I played Black Ops Cold War, and you know what? I don't even, I don't know what's wrong with me, why I'm having a kick with this again. I thought I was fucking done with this game. But I'm, I don't know, I'm, I, there's something about this game, I feel like it got such an unfair rep, and there's nothing more to say about it, but I still enjoy it, I still think it's a criminally underrated Call of Duty game. Is Call of Duty just Call of Duty at this point? Yes, you know, but I, I genuinely believe Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is the best COD, easily, since Black Ops 2 in 2012, and uh, it, I, I, I stand by it, it's way better, like Vanguard? No, not it. Modern Warfare 2019? Close, but not it. And then all the Call of Duties before that, Black Ops 4 and fucking World War II and all that bullshit. No, that's not it. For some fucking reason, Black Ops Cold War kind of rekindles that, like, love I had for the franchise when I was, like, 15 years old and, and, and shit was good. I don't know, but that's it. There is one game I've been playing this week that is a new game. It is a different game. It just released on Game Pass. You might be aware of it. It's kind of timely. Turbo Golf Racing by Huge Calf Studios, based out of the U.K., this is a game that just launched into Game Pass late last week. It is basically the premise is Rocket League, but instead of soccer, mini golf. And when this game was announced, I was like, that's perfect. I like Rocket League. I'm just not hugely into it, but I love mini golf. Fuck yeah, let's do this. And I've, I've been keeping an eye on this game. I've been looking forward to giving it a go. And I tried it on two different occasions this weekend. I downloaded it uh, when it came out on Game Pass on Thursday or whatever. And I played it a little bit on Friday, a little bit on Sunday. And I gotta be honest, guys, I want to love this game. I wanted to love this game. I want it to be a new, like, ooh, that's addicting. Let me let me tell you guys about this. There is nothing inherently wrong with Turbo Golf Racing. I mean that with full sincerity. It's not a bad game. But it does nothing for me. I don't get why. I love mini golf in video games and in real life. I like racing in video games. I like competitive games, especially more like, you know, lighthearted, camaraderie type, fun, low... I don't know, low-stress competitive games, like shit like, you know, like Fall Guys, right? 
And this kind of falls in that category. It's like, it's not too competitive, but it's competitive. It's easy to shut your brain off and have a good time with. But I don't know, man. I, I think Rocket League is better. But like I said, Rocket League is a game I, I like a lot and I admire a lot. I love the music to Rocket League. I love the aesthetic. I think the concept's really fun and unique. But it's a game. It's like, I'll, I'll play it every now and then for like an hour. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm, I've got enough of that for a year or two. Like, I don't really need to play this. And I got that feeling with Turbo Golf Racing almost instantly. It's like, you know, it's, I think it's like six players a game. And it's like you start at a starting line, like in a racing game. And everyone has their own giant golf ball. And you have to race basically down the mini golf course from start to finish. And, and it's not just like a regular mini golf course. It feels almost like you ever play like SSX or any of those popular extreme sports snowboarding games. The maps feel kind of like that, where you start at the top and you work your way down the hill to the bottom. And there's like courses and tricks and ramps and all this stuff. And you're basically using, you know, you pick up items like in Mario Kart and like boost here and a rocket there. And you like fight the competition and try to guide your mini golf ball all the way down the, the map to the to the hole. And it's a really fun concept. I, I don't see why this wouldn't work on paper. But when I played it, I'm like, this is exactly what it sounds like. It is completely adequate. The game is well polished and it's a good time and it plays fine. But I have no desire to stick with it. It just did. It, it's rare I play a game where I'm like, this is everything it promised to be. And uh, somehow that's entirely underwhelming. I don't know. Like, I don't mean to shit on this game because it is what they promised and it, and they did it well. But it just ended up not being my thing. However, I think, you know, I think if you are a Rocket League person, this game might be your cup of tea it's definitely something you should probably keep an eye out on or try i mean it's in game pass after all so what do you got to lose other than three gigs of storage and a little bit of time so it's a it's a recommend for people who are rocket league fans for people who maybe like mini golf games but for me it just it didn't hit i don't know it just didn't hook me so not, not much else to say um but you know whatever it doesn't it takes two seconds to download might as well give it 30 minutes of your life to see if it's for you. Um, I do want to get into Two Point Campus, which also just launched in the Game Pass, so maybe I'll get to that this weekend. Maybe not if I got to go to work and go grocery shopping and fight Florida traffic just to fucking go from the gas station to my home. Maybe I won't have time to do anything. <sighs> or maybe I'll just wake up in my boxers at 4 in the afternoon and do nothing. I don't know. All right, guys, that's it for what I've been playing. That's it for what I've been eating. That's it for the story that st starts at the top of the show. Guys, let's get into the juicy hot news the thing that's making this podcast this week all good and well and stuff you want to listen to i'm telling you the juicy stuff comes first we got like three or four stories back to back to back that are quite fun to get through so enough anticipation enough blue balling let's get into the action baby all right news time baby okay so starting out with our first story which is kind of like three stories two of these are pretty related all three of them are kind of related the third one's kind of not related but we're gonna go with these first three stories which kind of act as one overarching story but we are gonna stop in between and talk about them one by one as if it's basically three individual stories so i really i guess i don't need to explain that to you all right let's start out with the top one the one that i think is the juiciest the juiciest slug of the bunch microsoft refuting sony's claim that activision's acquisition is anti-competitive vgc only news source on the internet as far as i'm concerned says microsoft has responded to sony's claims that its ongoing attempt to acquire activision blizzard would be anti-competitive especially with regards to call of duty 
Last month, Sony told Brazil's regulatory body, CADE, which, like many regions, is currently studying the proposed deal for approval, that the deal could influence players to switch from PlayStation to Xbox. At the time, it argued, quote, Call of Duty is so popular that it influences users' choice of console. It's a community of loyal users entrenched enough that even if a competitor had the budget to develop a similar product, it would not be able to rival it. And quote. That is from last week when we first talked about this story. Now we're following up with the latest development. In a 27-page document relating to the acquisition, Microsoft has replied to the CADE's att- attempting to dismiss Sony's claim. In the report, transcribed by VGC because it is in Portuguese, Microsoft notes that the numerous third parties, including Ubisoft, Bandai Namco, have given responses to CADE or maybe it's called Cade, I think it's C-A-D-E. Sony was the only company that claimed Call of Duty was in a genre of its own with no competition. Quote, only one third party Sony presented materially different, materially differently opinions than the applicants and the other third parties consulted by the SG, Microsoft claims. Uh, Sony is isolated in that in this understanding and curiously even contradicts itself in its response to letter, as will be detailed below. Microsoft goes on to state that Sony doesn't want to see Call of Duty games on Game Pass on day one because it is resentful of having to compete with Microsoft subscription services. Quote, Sony's public statement on subscription games and its response to the SG's letter are clear. The response reads, Sony does not want attractive subscription services to threaten its dominance in the digital distribution market for console games. In other words, Sony rails against the introduction of new monetization models capable of challenging its business model. Microsoft also deny end quote Microsoft also denies Sony's claim that Call of Duty is a category of games itself, despite the fact that it has a loyal following, stating quote stating that Call of Duty has a loyal following is a premise from which does not follow from the con from the conclusion that the game is a gaming category per se, Microsoft claims. Sony owning PlayStation incidentally has an established base of loyal brand players. Such a finding, however, does not lead to the conclusion that the PlayStation or any branded product with loyal customers is a separate market from all other all other consoles. Extrapolating from such findings is an extreme conclusion that Call of Duty is a category of games per se is simply unjustifiable under any qualitative or sorry, quantitative or qualitative analysis. End quote. It also lists five reasons arguing against Sony's claim to the addition of Activision Blizzard games to Game Pass and would lead to an unattainable lead in subscription service for Microsoft. According to Microsoft, this claims the claim is wrong because the following five reasons. One, it's not part of Microsoft's strategy to remove content from players and COD will still be available on PlayStation as a paid title. Two, data shows that players see subscription services as only one way to play pay for games. Three, Sony's claim ignores the dynamic nature of subscription services and that fact that Sony has its own subscription as well. Four, redacted information, meaning that it was probably really proprietary information that that they're not allowed to have in even in their transcription of the interaction because of uh, whatever kind of reasons that could get them in trouble so it's literally just not there and five there are numerous other games distribution channels and subscription services many of which include content that isn't available on xbox microsoft also claims that arranging exclusivity deals has not been at the heart of sony's strategy sorry microsoft also claims that arranging exclusivity deals has been at the heart of sony's strategy to strengthen its position in the games industry and that as well as having its own first party exclusives is also has exclusivity deals with third-party publishers. Uh, also, it has exclusive deals. God damn, I stopped learning how to read halfway through that. Okay, boom. This is 
This is honest to God. Some of the juiciest content. I hate that word content. This is some of the juiciest news we've had. I think at Xbox in a very long time because Xbox is so obnoxiously buttoned up when they talk to, I mean, obviously when they talk to the, the players and the press about like their kind of stance on like us versus them, us in the competition. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm for console wars. I'm egging Microsoft on to be a little more like fuck PlayStation, bro. But it's awesome how Phil Spencer in particular has been like a figurehead for the community of like a voice to say like, guys, listen, it's awesome that we have a lot of passionate Xbox fans. I appreciate you guys. But do not conflate like your love of the brand of Xbox and my, you know, my loyalty to this company and this brand I work for. Do not conflate that with it with meaning that other games from other competing companies or other competing brands are suddenly less products or less of a product or or a, you know, inferior brand that we had to have an arbitrary fucking Neanderthal caveman fucking hatred towards because, you know, green, good, blue, bad. I love that about Xbox. I love that about Microsoft. I love in particular that Phil Spencer especially has been so far at the forefront, you know, the little fucking news stories that aren't real news that make the rounds on all the websites where they're like, well, Phil Spencer's most anticipated game this fall is the new God of War game. What, what the hell is that all about? Like, listen, like, it's cool. I appreciate it. Like, he he is a man who is, if you ever listen to interviews and those podcasts he does all the time, Phil Spencer is clearly, and I, I use Phil Spencer because obviously he's the head of Xbox, so he's the figure that represents the most about what this brand is going to say and, and, and how people are going to interpret it, so... To see him consistently be a guy who's like, yeah, I work for Microsoft, I represent Xbox, I'm the, quote, CEO of gaming, which is like, I don't know why, it always reminds me of that meme, CEO of sex. But, like, despite that title, despite that 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 uh, role he has, which is a huge role at Xbox, I mean, CEO of sex, how could, I mean, anyway, it, it, I love the fact that he's always like, listen, I'm, I come from a development background. I am for the developers, I'm for the players, I'm for games. I want games to get out there, for people to have access to great games, and for us to rethink the way the industry operates, and blah, 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 and he doesn't see the console war shit. I love all of that. But every now and then, and obviously this is me going from Phil Spencer to Xbox vaguely, because obviously all the shit was written from a bunch of lawyer, lawyers and a legal team and not Phil Spencer, so obviously it's kind of a little bit of a, a straw man for me to be pulling on Phil Spencer to then you know compare with this legal speak every now and then it is good to see a little bit of like hey let's put someone in their fucking place right i i love playstation personally i, I think playstation's a great brand i'm glad it exists i hope it continues to keep xbox on its toes because the better playstation is the more xbox is going to have to work their fucking tails off to be a better brand for all of us who love xbox it's it's great it's a high high tide raises all boats scenario don't get me wrong but listen, Sony says some dumb shit sometimes. Sony are a bunch of fucking fuckboys sometimes. And honestly, there is a little bit of a thing sometimes with Sony's fan base. And, and when I say Sony's fan base, I don't just mean like like the nobodies on Twitter who are just like, eh, fuck you, Xbox, we got Uncharted. Eh. I mean, like, I even mean like the games press people where like in games media, there's so obviously a little bit of a favoritism and a slant towards PlayStation, which is, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. But it's nice every now and again to just see... Just, you know, just in the most, maybe, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how I want to say it. It is nice every now and again just to see that kind of thing kept in check. So it's nice to see this information leak. Now, clearly, this is not information that would generally be presented to the public. These are court, these are documents from this uh, Brazilian CADE board, which normally no one would ever dig into, no one would ever really 
bother translating this from Portuguese to English and in sharing it with like news sites at you know, various gaming outlets. This is normally the kind of stuff that would fly under the radar. No one would ever know. It's for a bunch of legal people and a bunch of different boards and regulation uh, teams, and and we'd all be none the wiser that this 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 um, back and forth ever even transpired, right? But <clears throat> thankfully, it's a slow enough news period that there are people desperate for stories and digging and finding this shit and transcribing it because this gives us a little bit of a more like, yes, because, dude, dude, it's like at the end of the day, Xbox is a brand. They're an extension of a company. They're here to fucking make money and beat the competition if they can. I know we always talk about, well, Microsoft isn't really about the fucking console anymore. They're about the streaming service. They're about the cloud service. They're trying to bet. They're, they're going for players no matter what platform they're on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But... To an extent, you know, they, they, PlayStation is competition. They want to they wanna beat out PlayStation in some way. And I feel like Sony has just become more and more arrogant and obnoxious as the years have gone on. Like, I really admire Sony from the earlier years up through the PS3. But throughout, from the start and throughout the PS4 generation, especially into now, PlayStation kind of bugs me a little bit sometimes because they're just so fucking arrogant. They're always just like, we only release the highest fucking quality games. Everything we do is a fucking motion picture movie of the year, blah, 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 like Oscar bait bullshit. And it's like, dude, Last of Us Part Two is a beautiful, 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 beautifully crafted, mediocre game. Like, let's calm the fuck down. So it's kind of nice to just see the competition for once take a jab, you know, and just be like, fuck you, PlayStation. Because what's great here, and I'm just, I'm just rambling on about a bunch of non sequiturs, but I guess what I'm really admiring here is it's, it's nice to see them call PlayStation on their bullshit a little bit. PlayStation's all like, oh, Call of Duty uh, is such a massive brand. It has the ability to influence what what console people buy. And this is just like I said last week when we talked about the story. It's like, yeah, PlayStation, no fucking shit. That's why you pay out the ass to make sure you have the marketing deal with Activision for Call of Duty and that Call of Duty shows up on your E3 stage every year and that every fucking year, as we're about to talk about in the important enough news at the very end of the show, why I can't fucking play Modern Warfare 2's beta opening week because you fucking pay out the ass to make sure all the fucking normies who have real lives and real girlfriends and don't spend all their time learning about the video game industry can be like, well, I guess it should buy Modern Warfare 2 on PlayStation. Because that's what the commercial says, and because the beta's on PlayStation, and because every time fucking whatever streaming guy with blue hair plays Call of Duty, he's holding a DualSense, not an Xbox controller. Yes, we know you're aware of the power of that brand. That's why you fucking pay out the ass for the marketing deal. So it's so fucking hypocritical for them to be like, well, Xbox shouldn't buy um, a Call of Duty because it's just too powerful a brand. There's nothing that competes with it. And it's weird because I'm kind of a both minds here. Like, I, I actually think, yes, of course, PlayStation has a lot of skin in the game. That's why they're going to have a little bit more of a spicy comment to this regulatory board than maybe fucking uh, Bandai Namco. Because Bandai Namco is like, fuck, we don't make Call of Duty. You know, we, don't, we don't have a Call of Duty competitor. We just want to sell fucking anime titty games, you know? So, like, whatever. But, yeah, so, of course, Sony's going to have a little bit more of a spicy comment, a little bit more skin in the game. But it's weird because I'm kind of of both minds. It's like, I actually agree with Sony's claim. And I think Microsoft's response to their claim is corporate PR legal bullshit kind of spew when when Microsoft is like it is ridiculous to say that Call of Duty is a genre all onto itself it's not its own genre per se it's like bro let's be fucking honest Call of Duty is a thing all onto its own you go to the very like most like uh like the most uh, I don't know the most core basic Call of Duty player. And it's not some guy who's like, oh yeah, and I play Battlefield and I play Halo and I play Doom and I play CSGO and no that guy plays Call of Duty and maybe some fucking sports game, maybe NBA, 
You know, he plays Call of Duty. Call of Duty is a property that is absolutely so catastrophically massive. And I agree exactly with what Sony said, that even if a competitor put forth the money and the development talent and the years into making a game that is equal to or superior to Call of Duty, Call of Duty would still, without a doubt, win because Call of Duty is too big to fail at this point. I actually agree with that sentiment and think that is 100% true. There have been, in fact, we've seen this happen before, dude. 2016, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare or Infinite Warfare versus Titanfall 2 from EA. Hmm. Which game was better, but which games got all the attention and sold better? And it's a little hypocritical because that's the one fucking year I didn't play. I, I never went back and played that Call of Duty. I literally have no experience with that game, so I can't speak to it. But, like, fucking Titanfall 2? You gonna tell me Titanfall 2 is not a vastly superior game to Call of Duty? God, like, I, I, I love Call of Duty. You guys are probably sick of me constantly defending Black Ops Cold War as I just was doing a little bit ago. You guys are probably sick of me being like, oh, yeah, I'm a hardcore gamer, but I play Call of Duty because I know a lot of fucking real, quote-unquote, hardcore gamers are sick of the Call of Duty shit. It's a really popular take. But, like, man, like, even I know Call of Duty ain't shit compared to Titanfall. Half the fucking reason I'm out here championing Black Ops Cold War and excited for Modern Warfare 2 is because we can't get a Titanfall 3. So that's all the example you need. Just to, I mean, I, I could give countless other examples, but that's just the one perfect example you need right there to tell you everything you need to know about why Sony's statement's actually true. Call of Duty is too big to fail. It is a genre all into its own. It is a brand and a thing and a force to be reckoned with all into its own. We as gamers like to always do the whole Call of Duty versus Battlefield argument every fucking two years when DICE comes out with their cocky dick swinging all European style saying, oh, our next Battlefield's not going to suck and then it sucks anyway. And we all do the battle. Which one's going to be better? This year's Call of Duty or this year's Battlefield? It's irrelevant because while it matters to the couple million of us fucking loser ass gamers to the actual core audience the many millions of people who buy these games call of duty outsells battlefield a shit ton by a shit ton match by a fuck ton and call of duty like fucking people are playing modern warfare 2019 like crazy to this day who the fuck is playing the battlefield from that same year or that same time period what was the newest battlefield in 2019 it was like battlefield 5 great who's playing that game so I actually stand with Sony on their statement, but it's nice to see them kind of taken down a peg, even though I think Microsoft's argument is a little too buttoned up and a little too generic and kind of unfounded. It's just like, oh, that's hearsay, yeah, hearsay, whatever, you know, it's like, whatever. They're not really saying much of anything important, but it is true when they call out PlayStation for their claim of like, hey, yeah, you know it has sway in, 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 in people's desire to buy a specific brand or a specific console because you fucking have the marketing deal. Yeah, that's why you have it. That's why you try so fucking hard. And they even go a step further by saying the thing I probably really should have mentioned last week but completely failed to mention, which is Sony is the most obsessive of the three major brands, Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation, when it comes to the second-party relationship. And for those uninitiated, second-party relationships, second-party games are when... A first-party primary team like like a like an Xbox or a PlayStation or someone commissions a team they do not own to make a game exclusively for their for their console. So, example, the Final Fantasy VII, which was promised on Xbox but is never fucking coming to Xbox because of PlayStation, second-party game. Uh, Final Fantasy XVI, which people are eagerly awaiting for next year, that game was announced exclusively for PlayStation, is not coming to Xbox because Sony commissioned Square Enix, a publisher and developer they don't own, but paid them money to make this game exclusive for their, their platform. So Sony are the king of that kind of shit. And Xbox 
absolutely has done it many times before, and we know they're working. Fucking Contraband is going to be a second-party exclusive for Xbox, so it's not like other players don't do it. For sure they do. But PlayStation are the king of that, and they rely heavily on that. In between their one and only game they make, which is just third-person action, cinematic, tearjerker, the one and only game they make, in between that, they, they, they fill the slate with all the second-party games and the massive marketing partnership they have with Activision for Call of Duty. They also had the same deal with Activision for Destiny back in the day when Destiny was an Activision property. So I don't know why I sound so heated over this. I, I actually, I guess I, it's just fun to talk about, I guess, because even though I like PlayStation, I like Xbox. I like Call of Duty. I like Game Pass. I like, I like The Last of Us. I like Uncharted. I like all this shit. Like, I don't actually like or dislike. I guess what I'm tired of is kind of the narrative and the lack of coverage, like the uneven coverage of these two things for so long, where it's like constantly, like Sony is just so fucking great and they can do no wrong. And then it's like... <laughs> Xbox is like, uh, yeah, uh, we're buying Call of Duty, which don't don't get me wrong, I've had plenty of criticism to levy at them for the Activision acquisition. But PlayStation's gonna come out and fucking call them out for being like, oh, you're you're buying a brand that's gonna make people that's gonna clearly pull people away from other consoles because because uh, it's it's that powerful of a brand. It's like, yeah. And you would do the fucking same if you could afford it, Sony. If Sony had, like, fuck you money laying around and could buy Activision and buy Call of Duty, they would. But they can't. And that's why they hired all those guys from Treyarch, ex-developers from Treyarch, to start that new studio. I forget the name of it. That announced they're basically making a first-person shooter exclusively for PS5 because you want your own Call of Duty. You know it. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know. I just find this story incredibly fun because it's... Um, yeah, it's it's fun to watch Sony get a little a little heated and to watch Microsoft put a little pressure on them for once instead of Microsoft just responding with like we love playing games everywhere and we think Call of Duty will be great on PlayStation just like it will be great on Xbox speaking of which here's another controller that lets fucking uh, I don't know uh, this controller will have the ability to fucking blow you why you play video games no we don't have an update on Fable no we don't have an update on Avowed just fucking buy the controller we have more accessories than we have video games get over it and then you know that's the usual Microsoft spiel anyway we're not done there's still two parts to the story that's now don't get me wrong that's the one we're gonna spend the most time on it's the juiciest but we got two more parts to the story it goes further so Microsoft takes it another step by jabbing at Sony and being like, yo, and you motherfuckers are out here to get Game Pass. You know you guys are out to get Game Pass. So continuing on, Microsoft claims that Sony pays developers for, quote, blocking rights in return for them to agree to not put their content into Xbox Game Pass. As part of a document sent to Brazil's, uh, the Brazilian Coun Administrative Council of Economic Defense, CADE, there we go, now we know what it stands for, to justify its proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, the Xbox firm claimed that Sony actively attempts to inhibit growth of Game Pass by trying to prevent content from appearing on it. Quote, considering that exclusivity strategies have been at the core of Sony's strategy to strengthen its presence in games industry and that Sony is a leader in, in, in the distribution of digital games, Sony's concern with possible exclusivity of Activision's content is incoherent to say the least, Microsoft claims in a document published by the CADE. Continuing on, it only reveals, once again, a fear about innovative business models that offer high-quality content at low cost to gamers, threatening a leadership that has been forged from a device-centric and exclusivity-focused strategy over the years. Then it claims, indeed, Microsoft's ability to continue expanding Game Pass has been obstructed by Sony's desire to inhibit such growth. Sony pays for blocking rights to prevent developers from adding content to Game Pass and other other competing subscription services. These kinds of platform uh, deals have been common in games industry and reference 
and and reference was even made to PlayStation blocking third-party games appearing on Game Pass in documents were revealed as part of last year's giant Epic vs. Apple lawsuit, which we covered at the time. The remainder of its response and two further claims under the same section are redacted from the document, presumably for confidentiality purposes. Elsewhere in the document, as we close out, Microsoft claims that Sony does not want attractive subscription services to threaten its dominance in the digital distribution market for console games, arguing, quote, in other words, Sony rails against the introduction of new monetization models capable of challenging its business model, end quote. That is the even spicier part where they literally go and call out Sony for this shit. That's the kind of stuff you'd never see. <laughs> Fucking Xbox. And, and, and thankfully we don't, I guess, because the the only way it could be done in today's world is they'd have some fucking lame-ass 22-year-old um, social media strategist guy who'd be like, look, I'm going to do this fiery tweet at PlayStation. Bruh. Stop paying other people to get exclusive games. You know Game Pass is where it's at. And then all the fucking Xbox would respond with that one gif of the dude who, like, disses this other dude. And everyone, like, puts their head, their hands to their temples and, like, oh. And then would be like, oh, cool. We're going to all respond with the same fucking gif. But thankfully, I guess it's not the world we live in totally, entirely. Anyway, <laughs> this shit is so incredibly spicy. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It's fun as shit to read. This is a... You know, this is that like hot gossip shit. You know, I'm, I'm Microsoft is literally calling out Act uh, PlayStation here by saying you guys are scared of Game Pass and you go above and beyond to try and prevent games from coming to the service and you try to inhibit its growth and you try to prevent. They, literally, that's the term, the phrase they use: inhibit growth. And and honestly, it's fucking crazy. I don't know if I'm just stupid or if I, I forgot this, but I, I was actually unaware that PlayStation, it doesn't surprise me that this is the case, but that PlayStation tries to work clauses and contracts and pay money to publishers to ensure their games do not end up on Game Pass is absolutely mind-blowing. And, and think back to the whole situation with uh, the MLB, where they basically told Sony, put this game on other platforms or we're breaking our contract with you and going with someone else. And then on top of that, Xbox made a deal with the MLB to get MLB The Show on Game Pass as a day one game. We talked about how how much that must piss Sony off and how much they must be absolutely fuming at the fact that that is a thing they have to do, you know? And not, and not the developers. What, what team is that that makes that Sony... Sony San Diego. I'm not talking about the developers or the people who made the game. I'm sure they're just happy that more people get to play their game. I'm talking about the the, the people at Sony, the executives, the guys in the suits, the guys in the chairs. You know what I mean? Uh, like, those guys must be absolutely fuming, as we talked about, over a decision like that. Now, knowing this information, having this further context, and seeing how just, just how, like, competitive and petty this shit can actually be. You know, when you, when you take the facade of, like, oh, we want players to win and play everywhere. Like, no, 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 no. These, make no mistake, this is a bunch of fucking babies in $3,000 suits bitching and moaning because they want their team to win because profit sharing, because money, because fucking uh, stock prices and all the good shit, you know. And it's so funny to watch them, you know, you read these quotes and you can kind of almost see them squirming a little bit. It's like, ah, it's so funny because fuck big business boys. But yeah, dude, this is insane. <laughs> and again, Xbox comes off in more of a, you know, it's legal speak, whatever. They're just like, oh, the Sony's could blah, 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 blah. They're not, they're not wrong at the same time. And it's kind of savage a little bit what they say because, let me find the quote, it's early in the story. It says, yeah, this only reveals once again a fear Sony has about an innovative business model that offers high-quality content at low cost to gamers, threatening a leadership that has been forged from a device-centric and exclusivity-focused strategy over the years. So, dude, that is that is like the 
the fucking main takeaway from this whole story too is because obviously it, it's it's I, I use the word savage I think aptly because what they're literally saying here or inferring here rather is that Sony does not have the fucking capital to compete with a service like Game Pass. We are Microsoft. We have all the money. Think about all the poor people. Think about all the sick people. Yes, we have the money to cure their ailments and to save their lives. Fuck you. No, we have the money. It's our money. We're going to go buy Activision. Get over it. That is basically what Xbox is saying here is we have Game Pass. We are in such an advantageous situation from a financial position from our parent company, Microsoft, that we can offer an absurdly robust uh, um, uh, subscription service at a stupid low cost to gamers that is so is so enticing that you have to be a fucking moron to own an Xbox or to be an Xbox gamer and not have a Game Pass subscription service. And what they're essentially saying is, that's us. Sony can't afford to be in that. They're not in a position where they can do what we do. They have their own subscription service and it's a whole thing. And, don't, and they even call it out. They're like, don't forget, these guys have one too, these hypocrites. But they're basically saying... These guys are in an older form or in a different strategy, a different approach to the games ecosystem where it's about selling your hardware and having compelling first-party titles to push the hardware and to, and to sell people on your brand. That is, PlayStation's bread and butter has been since day one. You can argue Nintendo's strategy has changed on and off throughout the years. I mean, mostly their thing has always been high-quality games, but you know they've gone in various phases of like gimmicky and trying to stand out from the crowd. Microsoft has clearly tried different hats on throughout the years, especially because now their focus is 100% not consoles. It is subscription services. It is Game Pass. It is cloud gaming. It is just getting people on their services and their products, not necessarily their hardware or whatever, you know? So clearly everyone else has shifted and been in different markets and has competed in different ways. PlayStation is the one of the big brands, is the one and only of the big brands that has remained the exact same since day one. We make this hardware at a fucking razor-thin profit margin. We sell it to people. We make really, really good first-party games only on our console. People buy the content. They love it. They fall in love with our brand, and they only shop on our platform. And it's worked great for PlayStation, as the, even the article mentions. As, and as we all know, PlayStation is the number one home console market for digital games. Like, no, no marketplace makes nearly as much money um, on the digital marketplace as Sony does. No one makes more money off Fortnite. No one makes more money on fucking first-party game sales. No one makes more money on third-party game sales than Sony does on their marketplace. Way more than Xbox, more than Nintendo, without a doubt. And that is Sony, that's what Sony has. That's their bread and butter. They cannot afford to fight Microsoft with a toe-to-toe Game Pass competitor. And Microsoft is actually calling that out. It's crazy. That's how you know this is all legal speak behind the doors kind of bitching and moaning from all the corporate guys because they would never talk this way in a public manner. They would never. And I, I'm actually I'm, I'm sure Sony in particular, I'm sure, are not pleased that this information is out and being covered so uh, so aggressively right now. But I mean, that's what happens when the news cycle is slow, I guess. This is not a good look really for anyone involved, but especially for Sony. And it's just <laughs> I mean, dude, like it's crazy stuff, man. It's absolutely Crazy stuff to see Microsoft just kind of attack Sony and, and call it like it is. I think both sides actually make some really honest and legitimate points. And then both sides also kind of cry wolf a little bit. Or Sony kind of cries wolf a little bit because they're bitching about 
you know, the power of Call of Duty while they're well aware of it because they've been paying for exclusive content and fucking timed exclusivity and fucking marketing deals for years and years and years, pissing people like me off because I can't play the Modern Warfare 2 beta thanks to PlayStation being a bunch of cucks. Meanwhile, Xbox, you know, they're being like pretty buttoned up corporate speak of a lot of fucking nothing. But when you weed all that shit out, you just see two fucking arbitrary sides bickering and fighting. And it's, it's kind of fun to see, man. I like console wars when we get to, see this is the mis the misconception about console wars. Console wars are not fun when they are fought by the fans. Because the fans have nothing to fucking gain or lose from console wars. That's why it's so goddamn stupid. And I I guess I I only half apologize for this. There are no doubt people who listen to Xbox on and are like rips shirt off bleed green type people like fuck Nintendo, fuck PlayStation, I only play Xbox. I'm sorry, man, but you and I do not see eye to eye on this shit at all. I am way more in the camp of the people who are like, I just love good games. I don't care what platform I got to play them on. I love Xbox to death. It is definitely my favorite platform. But at the end of the day, my personality and who I am as a person is not forged or 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 destroyed by the identity of Microsoft's gaming division. That's I'm I'm a little bit more of a human being than that. So I, I like to think at least. Um, so I, I think it's it's lame and cringy as hell when we see people who don't own stock, who don't own these companies, who do not work for these companies, who have nothing to technically gain or lose, fight these battles. It's like it's like actual war. It's like, you know, a bunch of innocent Americans go to war to kill innocent people across the world while these fucking political leaders who are absolute sacks of shit get to like throw us around in pawns and we all get to, you know, defend our teams. It's kind of like the same shit. It's like, dude, why the fuck are you going to go to battle for PlayStation or Xbox over your brand preference? That's fucking cringe as hell. But console wars are incredibly exciting when it's fought by the actual companies. That's why, you, you know, like Nintendo versus Sega shit back in the day was so exciting because there was palpable hatred and rivalry between Nintendo and Sega back in the day. And even in the early days of Xbox and PlayStation, there was a little bit of that kind of palpable energy, especially, dude, fucking jabs like PlayStation, like during the Xbox One era, the way they were relentlessly picking on Xbox and shit like that. And Xbox was obviously dropping the ball at the time, but like... There's always been a little bit of that, but those are the good, fun moments. That's where console wars is actually exciting because, of course, Xbox has a vet, uh, uh, Microsoft has a vested interest in Xbox, and Sony has a vested interest in PlayStation. So to see those guys fight over their brands is kind of like fucking get me some popcorn and let's watch this gladiator match and it's fucking you know and pull a snapchat filter maybe put a little a uh, little a little beauty cam cat ears filter on uh on shuhei yoshida or whoever no he, he's not the guy at playstation it's fucking jim ryan and phil spencer and watch them fight like fucking savages it's kind of fun so uh, i don't know i'm just being goofy at this point but I, the this shit's we, we we don't get enough of this anymore because xbox always like heals over and plays nice and PlayStation is always just so fucking cocky with no one there to keep them in check. I love PlayStation. Great console, great platform, great games. But they are cocky as hell and no one keeps them in check. It's kind of a similar thing I have with Nintendo. It's like, dude, we can admit these two things can be true. Mario Odyssey can be a really good game. And the Nintendo Switch can also be a kind of a shitty piece of hardware. Like the Nintendo Switch can be an innovative concept that's really fun and convenient. While also being an absolute piece of shit hardware. You know, but like, no, no one, everyone's afraid to criticize Nintendo like for anything. So it's just kind of nice to see the richest guy, but the littlest guy in terms of mind share and brand uh, affinity kind of get, you know, kind of get a little, a little chance to be like, 
fuck you, PlayStation. I don't know. I, I'm having a good time. Please don't ruin my fun. All right, and there's a part three to this. It's less in. It's less directly associated. It comes from the same documents and from the same original story, but it's uh, a, a little more. It's a little more to do with Call of Duty specifically. Um, and so let's get into this. I actually don't really know what I'm going to say to this because I don't, I don't think I pre-read this part. So let's have some fun. Let's go into this blind together. Microsoft, this is the last part of the story. I, I, I promise you, if you're just waiting for the news about new games coming to Game Pass, we'll get there. Calm down, you fucking subtle, non, non-interventionist, non-confrontational gamer you. We'll get there. Microsoft has reiterated its claim that it doesn't plan to make Call of Duty an Xbox exclusive should it successfully acquire Activision Blizzard. Spoiler, it almost definitely will get to acquire them. Uh, in addition to the sent Brazilian Administrative Council of Economic Defense discussing the proposed acquisition, Microsoft claims that any concerns that Call of Duty would no longer appear on PlayStation are unfounded because, quote, it would not simply would not be profitable for Microsoft. Quote, regardless of how unsurprising Sony's criticism of context, <laughs> God, there they go with the fucking punching. Regardless of how unsurprising Sony's criticism of content exclusivity is, given that PlayStation's entire strategy has been centered on exclusivity over the years. Damn, boy. It's so, it's so fun to see. The reality is that the strategy of retaining Activision Blizzard's games uh, by not distributing them in a rival console shop would simply not be profitable for Microsoft. The company claims in documents. Such a strategy would not be profitable only if Activision Blizzard's games were able to attract a sufficiently large number of gamers to the Xbox console ecosystem, and if Microsoft could earn enough revenue from game sales to offset the losses from not distributing such games on rival consoles, it adds. <laughs> As if that weren't enough, exclusivity strategies still result in title-specific costs, it claims. Giving further information that has been redacted from the document likely due to confidentiality. Such costs added to the lost sales uh, estimated above uh, mean that Microsoft would not be able to offset the losses by earning higher revenues in the Xbox ecosystem as a result of implementing exclusivity. This is especially true considering that one, the gamer-centric as opposed uh, to device-centric strategy that Microsoft has pioneered with Game Pass. That's a, that's actually the perfect way to word it. And two, the fact that PlayStation has the most lawyer, the most lawyer, the most loyal user across its very users across its various generations, with all indications that brand loyalty occurred. Uh, sorry, accrued in previous rounds of console wars, quote-unquote, suggests that PlayStation will continue to have strong market position. That's incredibly revealing that they, they use terminology like that. Continuing to push its case, Microsoft claims that not even if Call of Duty Xbox exclusive uh, were to turn out to be profitable, its implementation would have no competitive impact, partly due to the intense competition in the game publishing market. The fact that exclusivity strategies are commonly adopted in the games industry, and the fact that rival console enjoy a higher degree of player loyalty, in summary, it concludes, quote, the hypothetical adoption of any content dis uh, discontinuation strategy would content would not be profitable for Microsoft, and even if implemented, such strategies would have no competitive impact for the reasons described above. In the first response to Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, uh, published in January, Sony said that it expects Call of Duty to remain multi-platform due to contractual agreements. Microsoft's head of gaming, also CEO of Sex, also subsequently confirmed his intention to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation platforms once Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is complete. However... It was later claimed that Activision Blizzard is contractually committed to releasing only the next three Call of Duty games for PlayStation consoles, including this year's Modern Warfare 2, and we also assume and speculate that the next version of Warzone coming out later this year for free will also be one of those three games. So hypothetically, 
it could just be Modern Warfare 2, Warzone 2, which are both this year, and then presumably the next Black Ops game, which is penned for 2024. We don't know yet. Uh, now, I'm going to add this part from VGC. Normally, I would have cut off the story here because that's really the wrap. But there's a little editorial edit to, sorry, God, I cannot speak. A little editorialization from, from a VGC writer that I think is pretty supplemental here, so I'd like to add it. Um, the Call of Duty series is regularly among PlayStation's most popular games. Last year, the series was both the first and third best-selling game uh, on PlayStation in the U.S., according to NPD numbers, which track sales in North America, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so Vanguard and Black Ops Cold War were the first and third best-selling games of 2021, for context, on PlayStation. Commenting on Sony's previous comments on the importance of Call of Duty's brand, GamesIndustry.biz's Chris Dring claimed that the shooter franchise remaining on PlayStation would actually benefit Xbox. And this is, this is, a, uh, sorry, GamesIndustry.biz. I, I, I'm so sorry. I said, um, I said Video Games Chronicle. So GamesIndustry.biz, the writer Chris Dring says, quote, Microsoft isn't as interested in the battle of console boxes. It believes that the future of games is going to be through streaming and subscriptions. Call of Duty isn't so much as a reason to buy an Xbox console, but a reason to subscribe to Game Pass subscription services, he wrote. And this is not where PlayStation is right to be concerned. Sorry, and this is where PlayStation is right to be concerned, because Call of Duty is the number one game on PS4 and PS5. Should this deal go through, Microsoft will own the most popular game on PlayStation, and what an opportunity that is. The marketing rights itself, fed up, <laughs> fed up of spending $70 every year for Call of Duty, wanted extra in-game items and points, then subscribe to Game Pass instead. You can even stream it on mobile. Microsoft would be able to speak directly to PlayStation's own fanboys on its own console, putting Sony in an impossible position to either reject its console's most popular game or accept what could be what could amount to a huge Game Pass ad disguised as a first-person shooter. I think that's beautifully put because I don't know how else um, how else to really other otherwise read that that story because I know, especially in the early days when we first found out Microsoft was trying to acquire Activision Blizzard, we we all went back and forth, the comments agreeing, disagreeing on whether or not you know, console exclusivity, how they're going to handle this, should they, should they not, what's smart for them to do. And I have been staunchly from day one in the camp that there's no fucking chance they're taking Call of Duty away from PlayStation. It just doesn't make sense. And this story affirms all of that and I think makes – Microsoft literally outlines the reasons for you in, the, in this, in this, uh, in this um, release, these document releases. They talk about how you know the, to make it an exclusive game on Xbox would actually cost them more in development costs. It's greater losses, and yes, I guess if a game is exclusive on your platform, you know, fewer SKUs to port it to and all that shit, it, it doesn't add up. Because at the end of the day, what Microsoft is literally admitting here is, it is a massive loss for us to spend as much money as it costs to develop a fucking Call of Duty game every year, and get a new one out every year, the three-year development cycles. It is a massive sunken cost for us to make and fund those games and then exclusively put them on Game Pass where no one's going to buy them for 70 bucks, which is what they go sell sell for, you know? Sure, you can buy Call of Duty on... Once this deal is done, right? You can buy Call of Duty on your Xbox. Sure. But you're an idiot if you have an Xbox and you don't have Game Pass. And you're a double-time fucking idiot if you have an Xbox and you have Game Pass and you're going to buy Call of Duty for $70 instead of just play it through Game Pass. What the fuck, man? So there's no chance in hell they're going to make their money back from development. And Call of Duty is an insanely expensive game to develop. Thousands of people work on these games. Three massive publishers 
uh, or, or developers work on the three sub-franchises of the game. And many other smaller developers supplement that development cost as well. This is a massive fucking product to make. It's not like Starfield. You cannot compare this to Starfield. Starfield is a big game that is made by one big team. And it is a once-in-a-decade kind of game. Starfield is a is definitely going to be a financial loss for Xbox because it's not on on PlayStation. Sure, it will probably sell a couple consoles console units. I'm sure it will sell pretty decently on PC because there are definitely people on PC who don't subscribe to Game Pass and just prefer to buy their games on Steam. Right. But mark my fucking words, if if Starfield is ever a profitable game, it is going to be through many many years of selling it through through Steam sales and shit like that, I, I I do not foresee how a game like Starfield will ever be profitable. Starfield doesn't come close to what it would cost to keep this Call of Duty development machine in constant progress. It doesn't make sense financially for them. And also, and I think the premise a lot of fans have with like, well, if you're buying Call of Duty, you should make it exclusive. What's the point of buying something if you're not going to make it exclusive to your platform? Well, you're kind of missing the point. First of all, you stand everything to lose by taking it away from PlayStation players because you're just going to splinter and piss off a massive fucking swath of Call of Duty's player base. And the whole thing with Xbox right now is they're trying to grow player count. They even say it here. They, they, I, I don't know why we've never thought of this kind of phrasing. It's perfect. Microsoft's business model has gone from has gone from device-centric to gamer-centric. They want players. They want people subscribed to Game Pass, players playing their games. They don't necessarily give a shit about you know what platform it's locked on because at the end of the day the number of series x and s consoles they sell is a lot less important to them than the number of game pass subscribers they achieve and earn so that that's what it's all about and then the reason why i kept the kind of editorialization at the end is because you know chris's chris drink's point is so perfectly put and it's it, it's what we've been saying all along if you are on playstation if you're a devout playstation player and call of duty is one of your favorite games you're going to, at some point, feel like a pretty big fucking moron if it's like every year I spend $70 on Call of Duty. Every year, Xbox players and PC players and people on their fucking phones, for God's sake, are able to play Call of Duty through a $10 a month subscription service. They just stream it to their phone or play it on their Xbox or their PC. Bada bing, bada boom. But me, this dumb fucking cuck on PlayStation. I just love PlayStation so much. It's the brand I've always played, but man, Call of Duty is my favorite game. I'm what? You're just going to keep buying Call of Duty annually for $70. And he and he adds a little flavor that's that's even more apt, which is you know it's going to happen. It's so perfectly put. At some point they're going to incentivize it even further. It's going to be like Oh yeah, Game Pass subscribers get this special operator unlocked, and Game Pass subscribers get this special weapon skin, and oh my god, Game Pass subscribers get access to this special multiplayer mode for a month before it comes to PlayStation. They can absolutely and probably will absolutely do things just like that at some point. You know, like, make sure you're subscribed to Game Pass so you can get the fucking uh, Zendaya face skin for Warzone, don't you want to go fucking shooting a hundred of your best friends looking like Zendaya on on Fortnite? I mean, Call of Duty. Like they're gonna do that shit, no doubt. And so you have two options: you can keep Call of Duty from PlayStation and make it a massive sunken cost for no fucking reason, piss off the Call of Duty audience because you're taking a massive amount of their players away from the game, or you can be like, 
sure, dumbass, go buy the game for 70 bucks on PlayStation. Help fund this game. Help help us make up the development costs. Why not? Be our guest. And also, while you're at it, enjoy paying more for less. Because Game Pass subscribers are getting a way better experience. Fuck you. And that's what's going to happen. And people are going to be on PlayStation. And it's so smart because Xbox even really aptly... Or not aptly... Xbox even really surprisingly announced, like, says in these documents how, like, PlayStation has an incredibly strong brand that's hard to break. They're basically admitting, we've had a hard time getting people to jump from PlayStation to Xbox. Obviously, there was that, well, historically, it's now kind of looks like a fluke, doesn't it, of the early Xbox 360 years, or most of the Xbox 360 years, where a lot of people were like, fuck you, PlayStation 3, we're playing Xbox 360. In hindsight, in retrospect, that looks like a fluke. Because you look at the OG Xbox, you look at the Xbox One, you look at the Xbox Series X, it's hard to touch the brand loyalty PlayStation has achieved and, and, and you know, deservedly earned through a lot of fucking hard work and very wise use in, of their brand, um, I, I, would, I would argue. It, it's hard to compete with that. And this is the whole thing we've been saying since, since the era of Game Pass, right? Is Microsoft fucking gets that. They said, you know what? We can't compete with this. It doesn't matter how powerful the next Xbox is. It doesn't matter how fun the next Gears of War game is or how much better the next Forza is than the last um, Gran Turismo on PlayStation. It doesn't matter. The Asian market will never take the Xbox serious. The European market is obsessed with PlayStation because they're European and they eat beans and toast for breakfast. And the North American market and Australian market and you know the, the markets where Xbox is pretty strong is just not enough to compete with the global dominance of PlayStation. And it's a losing battle for them to try generation after generation. They always come up as second place. And that was the whole purpose of Game Pass. It's like, we need to find a way to compete in the games industry because Xbox did successfully create a really serious and really compelling games brand. It's not the, it's not bigger than PlayStation, no, but it's taken seriously and regarded as a legitimate gaming platform, you know? It's not fucking uh, Ouya or what was Google's thing they did for two and a half months, Stadia. It's not that, you know? So to take that and pivot into something that's like, okay, let's go for quanti quant sorry, quantity of players. Here's, a, here's an option you cannot refuse. Like a fucking Italian mobster, they gave us an option we can't refuse, and now we're all subscribed to Game Pass like a bunch of suckers. I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. It's just, I, I, I'm so excited by this news because it's just so refreshing to see a little bit of like how these companies actually operate and think of one another and talk about one another and to kind of get a little bit of that juice rather than just constantly being like, guys, oh, I have an awesome press release to, to read from our good friends over at X, you know, like all the fucking game sites that are just like, ah, yeah, we're games journalists, which really means what? You just copy and paste fucking press releases and and uh, and, and give everything a 10 out of 10 because you're friends with the developers of the game. Like, I don't know. It's kind of cool to see like, oh, man, this is like actual like report shit. This is like stuff that people don't want to get out and like stuff we can actually like break apart and talk about and digest. It's like, yeah, it's news. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine dragons. Uh, okay. But yeah, I, I think we got to leave it here because I'm a little too excited about all this news and we're going to go on like a three-hour podcast if I don't shut myself up. So guys, if I haven't lost you here with all the fucking nerd speak and all the insulting of every base, let's be honest, I've insulted you today, whether you're an Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo fan, whether you're a hardcore gamer, a casual gamer, whether you're a man, a woman, a games journalist, or a fucking blue-collar man works with your hands, like I've made fun of all of you guys today, so... If you haven't been offended off the face of the earth, goddamn Europeans, I'm so sorry about you guys. You get so much of my shit. We have some other stories we can move on to. If you're willing to join me, I say we go ahead. Now, this next one was the biggest news story of the week until about five hours before we recorded today. 
And it is that Microsoft, and of course, it's from VGC, Microsoft has issued a new Xbox software development kit to partners, which frees up hundreds of additional megabytes of memory for the Series S games, for Series S games, potentially to be reallocated to graphical performance. As spotted by The Verge, shout out to The Verge, a new video that has been circulated to developers who've received the software update claims that it gives developers more control over memory, which can improve graphical performance in memory-constrained con uh, conditions. The Xbox Series S is Microsoft's budget current-gen console, which runs at the same, uh, which runs the same titles compatible with the more powerful Series X, but typically lower at a lower 1080p resolution. Quote, we address an issue where graphics virtual addresses were being allocated considerably slower non-graphic uh, virtual addresses, continues in the video. This will now allow the Series S to take advantage of Microsoft's recent advancements in memory management without negatively affecting graphics performance, it adds. VGC's network partner, Digital Foundry, discussed earlier in the year that some people were struggling to uh, with it adapting games to lower spec of Xbox Series S hardware. However, other games like Forza Horizon 5 boast incredibly impressive performance for a $299 machine. So, I don't know, There's this is something we haven't talked a lot about in this podcast. Um, I don't have a Series S, I haven't used one yet. But people, developers in particular, but people from more familiar with the Series S, ha have talked about how uh, apparently this is, this is an issue. Uh, Microsoft's smaller $300 machine where, yeah, the Series X is the most powerful machine on the market, but it's kind of hard right now to build games across all platforms, all current-gen platforms, PS5, Xbox Series S, and X, when the Series, uh, where the Series S is under, it is a significantly less powerful console in some ways. I guess that are affecting development enough to where it's notable. I think Xbox wants to fight this. It seems like one of those things where it's like developers who are incredibly familiar with the hardware and really know what they're doing are able to work with it. And developers who maybe are less seasoned with the Xbox platform are struggling a little more with it. That's what it sounds like with like anecdotes of like, um, with anecdotes of like Playground being able to take full advantage with Forza Horizon 5. But uh, whatever the case may be, it's clear that Microsoft is probably like, we need to find ways to retool these dev kits to make, allow developers to get the most out of their Series S's. Because this, I mean, obviously the Series S is the best-selling Xbox platform on the market right now because people are always going to go for the cheapest thing. The cheapest SKU is always going to be the most attractive to, you know, the largest number of people because not everyone's looking to break the bank and spend 500 fucking dollars on, on, a, on, a, on a box that mostly just plays games that look like pixel art, you know? So, I, I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, obviously this is good news. This is exciting stuff. But I feel like the fact that we're so early into the Xbox um, Series generation and this is already, like, such a talking point, has you a little bit concerned, right? Because, like, usually by the time you reach the mid to late point in a, in a console generation, people are basically, like, screaming about how, you know, behind the hardware is and how and how much it's, like, time for some more power. And, you know, I, I'm not worried about it in 2022 or 2023, but I do worry about, I don't know, 2025, 26. Are we going to reach a point where, you know, developers are like, guys... I'm sorry, here's our new game. It runs on Xbox Series X. It does not run on the Series S. And, like, what a fucking conundrum that presents for Microsoft to have to try and navigate that marketing hurdle. And and I, and I know right now the plan is it's like, if you're making a game for Xbox, it has to run on both SKUs of hardware. 
And so what does that end? What does that result in? Does that mean we're just going to find a bunch of games later in the generation where it's like, yeah, it's just not coming to Xbox because they can't figure it out on the Series S. So they don't want to deal with it. And those are the things I think Microsoft might be aware of or worried about. I guess this is you know where my lack of technical know-how and understanding really show, presents itself to you guys because you know I, I my understanding is the Xbox Series S is incredibly powerful for what it is and that for the most part it, it's it goes toe to toe with like what a Series X can do you just got to bump down the specs a little bit but to see that there are developers and instances where people are just talking about how it's just not up to snuff in some instances you know it makes you wonder it I, I guess. I guess the thing I, I, I feel like we can most closely associate it with is the PlayStation 3, where the PlayStation 3 was a very powerful, very capable piece of kit. But the problem was that stupid proprietary cell-based architecture that they did with the PlayStation 3 that made the platform incredibly obtuse and difficult for developers to work with. And so even though, yeah, PlayStation 3 was powerful enough that you could play any game that would be on the 360, in fact, PS3, I think, was technically more powerful than an Xbox 360, it ended up just being this thing where it was like, yeah, but the Xbox 360 is easy to develop for, you know? It's just it's just regular old computer hardware. We can work with this shit. And that's, I guess, I, I, I mean, obviously, I, Series S is regular x86 architecture. It's not like anything absurd, but it's a little bit kind of reminds me of a similar situation where it's like, are we going to reach a point where Series X just presents such an issue for some developers that they that they go, you know, it's just easier for us to just write off Xbox altogether and to just focus on to just focus on PlayStation and PC, of course. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe we will see that happen. I, I don't know. I guess as long as we live in a world where people still keep trying to fucking put actual next gen HD high fidelity games on the goddamn Nintendo Switch, as long as we live in a world where that is still a, a bar that developers are trying to meet, I think we're in pretty safe waters, but <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. It's um, I wonder if this is going to become a huge issue for Xbox in the years to come, and we'll have to obviously keep a closer eye on it, but it's really good to see that Xbox is trying to get ahead of this while they can and be like, okay, we've reworked some things and this new software uh, dev kit will free up a bunch of megabytes of memory so you can reallocate graphical performance and hopefully, uh, you know, make things run a little smoother, make things easier for, for developers and make you not have to become necessarily a buff in Xbox development in, in order to figure out how to get your game to run adequately on a Series S. So hopefully this is a, a much needed fix that that patches things up quite a bit, but we'll see how long this kind of stuff really helps and how how much mileage developers can get out of this kind of thing. All right, next up, let's talk about Game Pass Ultimate's potential family plan. It's being tested. We've been rumored about it. We've been talking about it forever. People want it. People got to have it. Some people got kids who also play video games. It's a good option to have. VGC reports a new preview is being tested for uh, starting this week that will let some Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers share their memberships with multiple users. The Xbox Game Pass Insider Preview will allow users in Ireland and Colombia. I don't know, do Ireland and Colombia, do, do Irish and Colombian people just have a disproportionate number of like family members that they need to use this more than anyone else? Dude, I'm fucking American. I only think of myself first. How dare you consider someone else other than me? Anyway, uh, the preview will allow users in Ireland and Colombia to add up to four people to their subscription, all with their own unique access to Game Pass Ultimate Games content and benefits according to Microsoft. While players being added to the subscription don't have to be part of the Insider program, they do need to live in the same country as the Inside 
uh, Insider adding them, essentially limiting the trial to Ireland and Colombia, Colombia for now. Uh, I think that has a little bit to do with why it's not available in the U.S. It appears that this new scheme may be more expensive than Game Pass Ultimate, which it should roll out to the entire Xbox community in the future. Quote, join the Xbox Game Pass Insider Preview will convert the time remaining on your membership to the time with a new plan based on the monetary value of the old membership. Reads the Xbox blog detailing the plan, which is usually how they hire uh, or um, handle these sorts of ordeals. You know, transferring your gold into Game Pass kind of deal. For example, a full month of Ultimate will convert to 18 days of a membership plan. Oh, never mind. <laughs> this way, you won't lose any remaining value on your existing subscription upon conversion. Conversion is final, uh, and users must wait for the new membership to expire before returning to previous memberships. So actually, it's not a complete one-to-one. -one. You do lose a little bit. Were this calculation to be replicated uh, if the plan rolls out to all users, that would amount to $25 per month for a family plan as opposed to $15 per month for Game Pass Ultimate. Xbox also states that members of Xbox All Access won't be able to take part in the preview. Xbox All Access is a payment subscription, which allows people to pay for their Xbox and Game Pass subscriptions as part of monthly fees. We all know about blah, blah, blah. So I assume, obviously, this feature is coming pretty much everywhere eventually. That's my expectation. Also, I think they want to avoid big, bigger markets like the U.S. because of the way people can exploit this. They're trying to test things and learn things right now. And I think you need to start in some smaller markets uh, with smaller populations and probably less appetite for Xbox, maybe. I don't know, man. Like, this is... I don't know what to say about the family plan because we we know we knew it was coming. We a lot of people have been waiting for it and needing it. I think it's a necessity, without a doubt. You know, we need it. It needs to come everywhere, and obviously, like people debate about like, well, what would it do to the cost? No doubt, the cost needs to go up, guys. I mean, like as as consumers, I understand. Like the the le the less we can pay for more, like the better deal we get. It's great to have you know a lot of value as consumers, but at, at a certain point, it's like I kind of want Game Pass to cost more in some regards because it's like. I want to know that they're getting adequate money for the service to keep it up and to inject, you know, more into better games for the service. But yeah, expecting $15 a month to get you, you know, get you and four people in your family all on Game Pass is just preposterous. So 25 was kind of what I would have guessed if I if you had to put me on the spot. But it looks like that's kind of what the math is working out to anyway. I think it might even go up a little more. It's kind of a tricky thing because it's like up to four people. You know, you think the average household is usually about like, you know, like four people or something like that. I, I feel like the family plan maybe on average is something that people need for about a total of three people. So it's kind of a tricky thing of like you want to price it so it's attractive to the smaller families, but you need to make it kind of a little more uh, like not su suck so much for you considering that it's like four potential individual memberships you're missing out on by just having one family plan. So they got to find that sweet spot. Honestly, I think $30 a month would would honestly probably be the something they could easily get away with that would make sense, but maybe $25 a month is where we're going to end on this. I, I'm just curious to see how long it takes for this to come to North America, especially as we continue to see this push for like games that are cloud, you know, cloud-based gaming uh, with like Fortnite and soon GTA 5 and Elden Ring, because these are the kinds of things where it's like, you know, maybe dad has a subscription service because he likes to play games on the couch on his Xbox, but then his kid loves to play Fortnite on his iPad or some shit like that. And it's like this, this family plan is probably pretty attractive for those kinds of scenarios. I feel like while your cloud engagement is growing rapidly, you might want to get a feature like this out pretty close to it so you can kind of capitalize on that market and be like, stick around, stick around, stick around. We got something for you and your family. It's going to work out. So I feel like this this feature, uh, aside from the testing, obviously, for that, for that reason that I mentioned, 
that's got to be coming sooner rather than later, right? They want to they want to study it and see how people are exploiting it, and see how they can optimize this to to make sure to the best of their ability that's mostly being used in honest and fair ways. Because you know how this works. It's the same thing as like when Netflix had, you know, like the ability to let two or three other accounts use your Netflix subscription at the same given time. You know, it's the thing. It's like people are going to exploit this. Like, you know how Xbox is a fucking platform comprised of gamer boys who have all their friends and they do raids on Destiny and they play video games together and they play Warzone together and shit. You think for one goddamn second... It's not, you know, Game Pass isn't going to quickly become this thing where people are trying to figure out, okay, me and my boys all get in on a family plan. It's me and my three best friends. We all pay five bucks a month and we all get Game Pass Ultimate. It's like, of course, Microsoft is trying to tweak and test and roll this out in smaller markets so they can figure out the best ways to mitigate as much of that as possible. Because no, make no mistake, once this shit gets to North America, it all cards are off the table. It is just fucking how can we exploit the system? So I, I think that's the whole plan in testing it in other markets. Uh, Mr. Malg actually writes in on, on the subject matter and says, the first impression of Nobody Saves the World. I seem to be liking it so far. The background music, I'm getting a little bit of Legend of Zelda vibes. Yes, definitely a lot of Zelda DNA in it. Also, there may be a chance that Game Pass gets a family plan. Any thoughts? Mr. Maug, I was supposed to read your comment before I started analyzing the story, but I suck at my job, and so here we are. I gave you my thoughts, and then I read your question asking for my thoughts. Yeah, but I expect this to have happened officially. I feel like by the end of the year, for sure, this should be a thing. What do I know? But that's my guess. All right, let's move on. We have... Two more stories, uh, but nothing super, super duper big, or nothing to the nothing to the extent of what we talked about at the top. Although this next story is technically big, I just don't have too much excellent things to say about it. VGC reports a software company called App Lovin has proposed an offer to purchase Unity, the popular video game engine, for seventeen point five four billion dollars in an all stock deal. Unity is currently evaluated uh, or is evaluating an offer which would see the engine creator own 49% of the voting power in the new combined company. Currently, Unity is in the midst of plans to merge with another mobile tech company, IronSource. However, IronSource deal wouldn't progress if Unity's board opts to the new app loving proposal. The proposed deal would see John Resettiello, Resettiello, I don't know. The CEO of Unity become the CEO of Joint Venture. Quote, over the last decade, we have built and operated uh, a leading in leading an innovative company in mobile app marketing and monetization solutions, says CEO Adam Froge in a statement regarding the proposal. Unity is one of the world's leading platforms in helping creators turn their inspirations into real 3D content with a scale that comes from unifying our leaders' solutions and innovating innovation that would be achieved with the combination of our teams. We expect the game developers would be the biggest beneficiaries as they continue to lead mobile game sector to the next chapter of growth. Unity is one of the world's most popular game engines used in leading uh, mobile games like Pokemon Go and Call of Duty Mobile. So these are very different companies we're dealing with here. You got Iron Source, which is like an Israeli um, installation software company. Uh, I'm not really familiar with these. I've only read up on them just to talk about the story. And App Lovin', which is a California-based uh, mobile software company which helps with like something to do with ads with like mobile ads to monetize and, and and publish apps through mobile advertisement it's a whole it's a whole thing and uh this is just a notable deal i guess this kind of should have gone in the small news because i'm just really not really not educated enough on the on the matter to really speak to it with any kind of any kind of authority but unity is a massive deal unity is god isn't unity like the third the second or the third biggest engine for game development 
for those who don't know, I mean, Unreal Engine is basically the biggest one, um, but it, Unity is one of the absolute biggest game engines. It's it's one generally that most people who are just trying to learn independently how to make games and how game development kind of goes, that most people generally download and, and work in uh, to go with. And, and as the story even notes, I mean, examples of games that have been built in Unity, especially if we're talking mobile, I mean, Call of Duty Mobile and Pokemon Go, like two of the most lucrative, biggest games in the world. But I mean everything. Like there are so many games on PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo platforms all been developed in Unity. is a massively large, um, largely popular engine with a, with a lot of prominence. And God, dude, it's just the massive amount, $17 billion, dude, to buy this engine. And, and, and the thing with Unity is it's generally seen as more of like, the engine you use if you're making like 2D games, um, stuff like Cuphead or like uh, Hollow Knight. Whereas, you know, Unreal Engine is like the engine people use to make more like 3D games, although you can do it all in in, um, in Unity. This is just another one of those things where I, I, I think it's like a different form of consolidation of the market we're seeing, where it's like people are looking towards the games industry as a, a massively growing stable market and a place they want to be. And not all the money is just in the developers and the, the teams that make the games. Sometimes it's in the tools and the software that the developers use to make the games they make, you know? And I think this is just another one of those battles. It is kind of curious to see that they were in the middle of a merger with Iron Source. And then uh, App Levin just came in and was like, no, fuck you. Go with us instead. And so now there's going to be this kind of like tug and war, tug of... Uh, tug of war back and forth on who's going to get the deal, who's going to end up buying them. But this is an all-stock buy deal, so I don't know the the um, the conditions of the Iron Source deal, but I mean an all-stock deal is a a, a difficult to you know you can't really do, <laughs> difficult to review kind of deal. It's not much you can do about it. So uh, we're going to keep our eyes on this. I, I will say just from an arbitrary personal point, I'm just like, huh, I uh, I don't love mobile ad companies, so maybe not app loving. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a little arbitrary to look at it that way. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, this really should have got into the story of mild amusement because I just, uh, I'm not adequately um, educated on the situation enough to, to speak of it. So we'll actually just move off of that because it's kind of a, a pace killer for me to just sit here and be like, oh, Call of Duty Mobile. Last story of the week, Windows Central. And this is a smaller one as well, but we, we have things we can say about this. A few weeks ago in July, Halo's in, Halo Infinite's art director, Nicholas Sparth Bouvier, Announced his departure from 343 Industries and Microsoft. At the time, it was unclear whether where he would go next. In an announcement, he didn't tell fans much of what he had planned, deciding to pursue other opportunities. However, thanks to a new post from him on Twitter, we know he's officially joined a developer, Team Kaiju, as Senior Art Director. Quote, I'm very excited to announce that I've joined Team Kaiju uh, and T-I-M-I, Timmy, I never know how they pronounce it, G1 Studio, to participate in their new AAA adventure as Senior Art Director wrote Bouvier, Bouvier, Delighted to jump into a new team of great creative talents to create entirely new IP for players around the world. Formed in 2021, Team Kaiju is a new studio working on an unannounced AAA live service first-person shooter. The company is led by Scott Warner, Halo 4's lead designer, so a lot of Halo talent, and Rosita Zagrachiva, Senior Director on Battlefield 4, Battlefield 5, and Stars Battlefront, who currently serves as Team Kaiju Studio Head and Director of Operations, respectively. According to an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, the studio's goal is to create a unique experience that itself sets itself apart 
from other games in the genre. Gaming has yet to quote gaming has yet to address all the player fantasies we could enjoy in the FPS genre. Uh, Warner said while speaking about the project, suggesting that the game's development. A game, the, the developer's new IP will break away from the current trends. Quote, in my personal opinion, video games are as preeminent creative medium of the 21st century. We're in the silent film era, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of what different interactions, fantasies, and everything we can realize. Of course, a huge part of the creating a game is designing its aesthetic, and since Bouvier uh, worked closely with Microsoft on games like Halo Infinite for over 10 years, he has plenty of experience doing just that. Shout out to Windows Central. Let's uh lo- love Windows Central. No no shade to Windows Central, but let's point out the thing that the story doesn't mention. So Team Kaiju, the new team with a lot of ex Battlefield and Halo talent, it looks like, is a team being led by I don't I still I don't know if it's T I M I. It's capital T lowercase I, capital M lowercase I. Timmy Timmy G One Studio. They are actually uh, one of the publishers or developers or whatever uh, publishers of um, Call of Duty Mobile along with Activision. Uh, they are a, hey, let's, let's talk about this. They are a development subsidiary group of Tencent. Ha, 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 ha. I kind of wish Windows Central mentioned that because I think you kind of have a little bit of a obligation as a, uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're reporting on this stuff, you kind of have a little bit of an obligation to be like, yes, a company that is largely controlled by members of the communist Chinese party are, um, are, are hiring up ex-Halo developers to make a new first-person shooter. It's like, yeah, it's kind of worth acknowledging. Listen, man, we talk about this all the time. I'm going to pull a comment from the comment section to help us with this story because I have things to say, but here's the thing, man. Guys, I'm sorry if you're tired of this, if you hate this conversation, but it's important. It's very important, I think, to all of us. It's important just to think about a medium we love like gaming in a more humanitarian way, in a more equal and fair to all way. And I am gladly going to keep beating this drum no matter what a fucking buffoon I look like or how much it might upset some people because it fucking matters and that just is what it is. So Mojo writes in and says, Tencent owns Bungie now. Now I have another company I need to boycott. Another conglomerate humanity oppressing company moving in our beloved hobby. As an American, I feel more and more obligated to not give any hard-earned coin Uh, to companies such as these scumbags. And almost every other week, there's a buy or acquisition that's involved in this shit ruin... Sorry, in this shit, ruining gaming. How do you feel about this? Am I the only one? P.S. Nachos over burritos. Fight me. All right, Mojo. First of all, just to clear up, not not to like call you out, make you look bad. Um, I don't know where the miscommunication goes or went on this, um, but no, Bungie was bought out by Sony. Sony, Japanese company, very much led by their American division as well in a lot of ways when it comes to gaming. Um, Very much not a not not a Tencent affiliated company um, bought Bungie and owns Bungie now. So if anything, actually Bungie is less affiliated with that stuff because uh, not Tencent, but the other big one, I forget what they're fucking called right now. Uh, but the other big Chinese conglomerate that keeps investing in games um, bought into uh, Bungie a couple years ago when they went independent. And because Sony bought out Bungie through stock options um, or through stocks, uh, they actually uh, bought back those shares from that company and now Bungie is less affiliated with China or with the Chinese government than it has ever been before so no Bungie is safe just to clarify but I want to read your comment because it touches on kind of everything we're dealing with here with Kaiju Studios which I, I want to I do want to clarify Team Kaiju is a cool name for a developer and it makes me sad to see like people worked on on Halo especially Halo 4 a game I fucking adore prominent people who worked on Halo 4 um, involved in this but 
I, I need to say this without having any concept of who these people are, without any kind of personal interaction or relationship with these people. I don't mean to just be a dick. But if you are a developer, a prominent developer with years of experience in this industry, and you're going to leave a publisher, I don't give a shit if they're a European uh, developer or publisher or American or Japanese or Canadian. I don't give a shit. If you're going to leave a prominent developer slash publisher like Xbox Game Studio, Bungie, 343, fucking uh, any CD Projekt Red, like IDOS Montreal, I don't give a shit. Pick any of these developers. If you're going to leave someone like that, someone over in Japan, I don't give a shit. Fucking Konami. Who cares? If you're going to leave one of these developers to go start a new studio with Timmy or Timmy or Tencent or G1 Studios or any of these fucking bullshit names they go under, I kind of question your humanity a little bit. And it just drives me nuts. Mojo, to answer your question, I'm sure you know if you've ever listened to this podcast. Yes, I take massive issue with this. I want to be very clear. I don't take issue with you or if you are a Chinese person (laughs) or if you are a Chinese game developer. Specifically, it's companies like Tencent, where we know for a fact a large portion of the people who own and operate and work for this company are card-carrying members of the Chinese Communist Party, which is concerning. A group of people who don't acknowledge fucking Taiwan as an actual country. A group of people, a, a government that disappears people who object to them for speaking freely and speaking their minds. A group of people who enslave their own goddamn people to work in factories for slave wages to build cheap electronics for Americans and people all over the world outside of China. Yes, including our dearly beloved Xbox. All of this shit. It sickens me and I think it's disgusting. And I want to be very clear. I don't want to put the blame on the consumers. And and I'm not. And, and it's just this thing of like, it's this thing of you can't live a completely moralistic life. It's why I hate so much like these fucking like social, like um, just fucking elitists on social media who, who want to like go out there and be like, if you're not actively like fighting cops, you're you're not anti-racist enough. You're a racist. It's like th- this kind of shit, like where we all have to like get up and dye our hair blue and go fucking fight the system. It's like, no. We can all have beliefs and feelings about things and not have to and understand that we're all as like everyday working class fucking people. We're kind of like bent over in a situation we can't get out of. Unfortunately, you cannot live a moralistic life in this in in the modern world without owning cheap shit made from slave labor in, in Asian countries. Unfortunately, all the fucking clothes I own are like made in Thailand, made in India. My beautiful Surface Duo I always brag about, my beautiful dual screen Microsoft Android phone, my Xbox that I podcast about every week, every fucking little electronic I own, all made in China. I don't have control over these things. And you cannot realistically just not participate in, in, our, in our marketplace. It's just not possible. Regardless of where you live, and I'm talking to everyone, this this extends far beyond American. Because I want to I want to be very clear, like this isn't like a I'm American and proud of it. No, fuck that. This is just about being a decent human being, regardless of where you're from or who you are. And we have many listeners in Australia. We have many listeners in the UK that I make fun of all the time. We're good people. We have listeners in Germany. We have listeners in Mexico. We have listeners in Canada and listeners in many other countries, although very, very tiny populations of people. But I don't care. Each and every one of you matters, and I appreciate all of you guys. And the point I'm trying to make is we all have a moral obligation to make sure we are not making the situation actively worse. And right now what we're seeing in the games industry is a turning point, an opportunity where 
a lot of seedy, disgusting, gross motherfuckers are trying to introduce a new form of corruption, a new form of sh- like just absolute bent over capitalist run amok bullshit that we as working class everyday people have no control over. They're trying to introduce another form of this fuck you, the system's fucked, go go fuck yourself kind of attitude. We can't stop the fact that Apple's just not going to stop making iPhones in China. It is what it is. It sucks. Fuck you, Apple. You're terrible. Stop trying to act like you're LGBT friendly while you support slave labor. You suck, right? But at the same time, we don't have a problem in gaming where all the game publishers and all the game developers and all are all bought out and owned by communist Chinese uh, investment groups. We don't have that problem. But we're at a weird turning point where that's starting to become a thing that exists. And so now we have a moral obligation as fans of gaming, as game developers, as publishers, as owners and investors of these companies. Do we want to allow this to start to take place and become a thing? Or do we want to fight it and nip it in the bud before it can become a real thing? Before it can become a real problem, a real endemic threat? What do we want to do about it? And that's why when you have like Embracer being like, oh, Tencent bought a massive chunk of stock and now they're our biggest, this is what they do is they buy a massive chunk, a massive stake in all these companies so that they are the majority voter on matters. So they have a massive amount of sway on decision making and then they buy people out with money. So they can buy influence, they can buy power, they can basically run it all. And it's fucking gross. And so it breaks my heart because I, I do. I love Halo 4. So if you tell me like, I, I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't know who the fuck. Let me find his name. I don't know who the fuck Scott Warner is. I'm not a good enough Halo fan, I guess, because I didn't read the fucking Wikipedia article on Scott Warner to know he's the guy who's the lead designer on Halo 4. I, I don't remember. I'm sure I've read it at one point. I don't remember. I adore Halo 4. Scott Warner, thank you for your work on Halo 4. It is truly one of my favorite games on the 360. I love it to death. I I dearly miss that era of 343 and Halo. Thank you. Genuinely. Also, kind of fuck you because you had a choice here. You could have stayed with 343. You could have gone to any other motherfucking company that's willing to pay an arm and a goddamn leg to get good development talent right now because developers are worth so much. But you chose to go with this studio, with this Tencent-owned studio to build this new team that's going to change the uh, games are in the fucking, uh, we're in the, the talkies, silent film era. Oh, yeah, we will. Gaming has so much to go. Cool. Why don't you go explore the next era of gaming with someone who's not going to fucking silence you when you try to acknowledge Taiwan, who's not going to uh, enslave in in take Uyghur Muslims and fucking, like, legitimately perform surgery on them and remove their genitals and fucking make them subhuman and enslave them and put them to work and disappear uh, celebrities who speak out against their government because they have some kind of voice and power and then put them through weird like internment camps where they get re-educated and then put back into society after six months of disappearing and suddenly are just like actual fucking robots who can't think and talk for themselves and just defend the fucking government left and right as like when no one's even pressing or asking you about it. This is like actual shit that happens in China. It's not a fucking Black Mirror episode. It's not some fucking cool Netflix show that you should totally check out this weekend. This is a actual goddamn thing that happens. And we're at a point in time where it's like, unfortunately, I cannot control the fact that I need to have a cell phone. And no matter who I buy my cell phone from, I don't have an option to buy 
a made in America cell phone where all the employees who put the thing together got paid a living, beautiful, honest wage and were able to buy one of those $2.7 billion single family homes for sale all across America and were able to feed their kids and put them through school and pay their car payments and cover their medical expenses. I can't, I don't have the option to spend an extra $3,000 on a phone just so that the employees got a living wage. I would. I would gladly pay twice as much for a fucking phone if, if I knew that that's where the money was going. But it's not an option. But we do have an option to be like, oh, Tencent is offering you a bunch of money to start a new game studio because they want to start a new groundbreaking FPS team. Fuck you, no. Like, literally go fuck yourself. I will go work for anyone that isn't you because you fucking suck and you're the worst. And that, that's the thing is people don't give a shit. People have no backbone. People are just like, oh, money? Okay. And, that, and that's what we're seeing happen in the games industry. So I, I don't really want to make this like, Mojo, I appreciate the, 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 the write-in. I don't want to make this like an America versus China thing because it's not. This is a people with humanity, people with heart, people who fucking give a shit about making sure the world doesn't continue to become significantly worse day after day versus an oppressive piece of shit government that, ne- like, I'm, I'm not saying we need to go to war with China and stop them, but I'm saying this government needs to be stopped. Like, I... The old, fuck man, like I just it, it's heartbreaking, and this is the kind of stuff that just gets no coverage in gaming. Like all day long, it's just like mm, here are the the fucking what's the fucking Scooby Doo game that everyone's playing. Here are the Mirrorverse or whatever it's called. Here are the Mirrorverse characters. You know, oh, look at this. Tom and Jerry are fighting the fucking uh, sh- guy from the NBA. Oh, that's awesome. It's like okay, but where's the fucking like game quote unquote games journalist who's gonna talk about how all the guys from Halo Four and Battlefield just took a bunch of fucking money from Tencent to go start a new FPS studio? It's like I, I don't know, man, and it's hard. Like I don't like. I, I want to be like, yeah, fuck these guys. I won't play their game when it comes out. But it's it's going to, as we've seen, it's just becoming more and more pervasive. And as consumers, there's like really not much we can do. It's just like, you know, you're like, oh, well, good thing I don't support Tencent. I'm just going to play games made by teams that don't have their money. And then the next fucking week, you turn on Xbox on. And what do you know? You just found out this de- developer you love and this developer you love all just got uh, bought out 10% by Tencent, you know, oh, five, uh, 5% investment stake or whatever. So they have a seat on the board so they can vote, you know, and now they're the biggest voter. They have the biggest voice on the board. And that's what they do with all these fucking teams. We were, I was praising Embracer Group one week and then the next week it's like, hey, Tencent's in the door. There's nothing we can do about it. It's, 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 it's one day because we have people like this who just cannot say no to money who don't have enough humanity and dignity to just be like, no, fuck, your, fuck you and fuck your money. I'm not doing that. Because of that, we're just going to end up in a world where it's like one day we're just going to be like, yeah, so this weekend I was playing Game Pass presented by Tencent and, uh, on my Xbox and then you know, went over to my PlayStation presented by Tencent and uh, played some Uncharted 17. Drake finds a balding spot on the back of his head and then you know, then, you know after that, my buddies were like, oh, bro, you want to you wanna get on that new PUBG Tencent edition and... Uh, uh, shoot kids in the face because uh, it has a crossover with Marvel and Fortnite now. And it's like, yeah, man, so glad Tencent was able to buy all these companies and put that uh, put that collaboration together, man. Fuck yeah. And that that's going to be gaming if we don't, like, if, if people who have power, these developers who are highly sought after, these people who are being asked and given shit tons of money to form a new team, these publishers, if these people do not fight back and say, 
Stay the fuck out of gaming. We do not want you here. Because gaming, you know, fucking Microsoft and all these companies are so excited every goddamn E3 to be like, look how accepting we are. Here's a game about gay people. Here's a game about trans people. Here's a game where the black person's the lead character. It's like, that's great. That's awesome. You're so quick to talk about how inclusive you are when it comes to easy stuff like race and LGBT and all that shit. That's so easy to be on the right side of history. But the second it's like, oh, um... Uh, a bunch of communists are like who like people who oppress and disappear their own people are trying to invest in our corporations. Like when is Microsoft going to come out and be like, uh, hey, we just want to publicly announce we're not taking any fucking money from Tencent and we condemn them. And any game published by Tencent isn't allowed on Game Pass. We don't fucking acknowledge them. They don't count. We're not playing their fucking game. We don't want them on Xbox. When Xbox comes out and says that shit, you know, like, dude, years ago. 2020, I hate to call back to this because I know it's a very sensitive time. I don't mean to be a dick. But 2020, during the height of everything that happened with the George Floyd um, situation, the Black Lives Matter protests, everything. Very sensitive time period. I don't mean to, you know, pull that up and and be flippant or flagrant about such a sensitive uh, time. But someone wrote in, I don't remember who, someone wrote in the the podcast, and I, I just remember this for whatever reason. They asked me what I thought about Xbox and these other brands that all have this this kind of obligation to go on social media and be like, oh, our, our background picture for the month of June is just going to be a black background. And it's just, you know, in solidarity with the black community and Black Lives Matter. And then, you know, every year we see it in June. It's like, here's a rainbow flag. We all love gay people now. They're so quick to do that shit. But there's too much money tied up in China and not enough incentive to fight back that you're never going to see one of these companies be like, uh, yeah, this is this is fuck Tencent month. We are literally saying Tencent and their shit are not allowed on our platform. Can you imagine what that would mean if someone like Microsoft, if, if Microsoft and Sony got together and were like, we are making a stance together that we are banning games made, developed by or funded by Tencent on our platforms. If you if your game is funded by or owned by Tencent, you are not allowed on the Xbox Marketplace or the PlayStation Network. And Xbox, Sony and Microsoft get together and make that agreement in, in, you know, in solidarity. Like, we're coming together to do this. That would be an example of me being like, yeah, this is a company using their influence and their power to actually do the right thing. But when all they can fucking muster is to put a goddamn pride flag over the Xbox logo for the month of June or to be like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, please buy Halo Infinite, you know? I, I can't fucking be bothered because this is the real opportunity to make a change. This is the real opportunity to, to use your brand and your platform to do something that matters. Because in, in the grand scheme of things, Xbox doesn't have any real fucking sway in like the gay community. Sure, you can you can fund and and um, promote and help you know gamer game developers who want to tell stories about gay characters and put those games on Game Pass. And we see that with games like um, uh, Tell Me Why or whatever, like great game good game nice game pass entry cool that's that's a good move right but the second it's like well where are you gonna draw the line with fucking tencent it's like well (laughs) there's a lot of money it's you know they it's it's saying the quiet part loud that the silence says it all it's like well we're not gonna say anything about tencent because there's a goddamn shit ton of money to be made off the chinese market and off of tencent and we don't want to fuck with that and, and just to wrap this up and just to be done with it, because I'm sure you're all tuned out and sick of it by this point, I want to be very clear. I am so happy that we've reached a point in gaming where now, finally, a bunch of Chinese players, gamers, are getting access to Xbox and to PlayStation in certain ways. It's not, it's not as easy as it should be, but finally we're starting to see a point where 
gaming is coming to China in a big way. You know, historically, the Chinese market's been largely locked to like mobile games and a couple free-to-play PC games. But finally, they're getting access to some really high-quality, awesome console games that we've all had the privilege of enjoying for a long time. And that makes me really happy to see. And there are some really, really talented game developers coming out of China who are putting teams together and working on really exciting and new and unique and creative games that we're all going to get the chance to play because they're coming to Xbox and they're coming to PlayStation. And that really excites me. I want to just be very clear about this. That is a beautiful thing. That is an awesome thing. I welcome it and I encourage it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Tencent and companies like Tencent, companies that are funded by and controlled by the Communist Party of China. And I, dude, I feel like an old man shaking my fist, yelling at the sky. And I'm proud to be, I'm proud to do so, man. Because I think this problem is only going to continue to get worse and worse and worse as teams like the, these these American and Western developers who are joining Team Kaiju, uh, presented by Tencent, but we forgot to mention Tencent. We just went under TIMI G1 Studio. You know, oops, sorry, we left out that important detail. It's Tencent, actually. You know, these guys are so eager to fucking take a goddamn paycheck and work for the bad guys that here we are. So expect this problem to get worse. I don't mean to be so, like, doomsday, like, dour on it, but... Mojo, now you know how I feel about it. I, don't, I, I mean, I've talked about this thing so many times. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I have hemorrhaged users on this podcast from this conversation I have all the time. But I'm going to continue to have it because it fucking matters. And this tiny, 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 tiny podcast I have, this tiny platform I have, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to be like, fuck you, Tencent. And Xbox, instead of just putting a goddamn pride flag filter over your profile on Twitter in the month of June, why don't you speak out and say something about Tencent? And all you fucking Halo 4 developers, thanks for your hard work. We love Halo 4. Appreciate it. Don't fucking work for Timmy or whatever the fuck they're called, okay? Timmy's an asshole. Timmy used to pick his butt in middle school and then he'd smell his finger. You want to work for that guy? Fucking loser. Also, Mojo, to answer your PS, you say nachos over burritos, fight me. That wasn't a question, but I am here to fight you because burritos are undoubtedly better than nachos. Are you fucking kidding me, Mojo? God, get the fuck out of here. All right. That's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. Let's round out the podcast with the important enough news discussion. Stories important enough to war- make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. we got a couple of them, and then some of your comments, and then we're out of here. I promise you, you'll be done with me. But remember, like I said at the top of the show, you got to listen to this podcast on endless repeat. Okay, we got to go rapid fire. VGC reports publisher 2K has delayed the release of Firaxis strategy game Marvel's Midnight Suns. In a statement published on Monday, 2K said the game, which was only recently issued in an October release date, would now arrive sometime during its new fiscal year, which ends in March of next year. So, I don't, again, this is just how games are. You announce a fake release date, delay it, announce another fake release date, delay it, and then it usually comes out around the third or fourth delay. Oh, well. I, no surprise there. It will come to the Xbox uh, Series consoles and PC sometime next year, and then Xbox One at a later date, um, which they haven't announced. So probably sometime around March or so next year. Next up, VGC says a video showing what appears to be an Ill- an, a white Xbox Elite Series 2 controller has been posted online. A photo showing the box white Elite controller was shared back in March, but nothing has been heard about it since. However, a video showing the controller by a YouTuber named Nicholas Lugo was posted in July and un- and undiscovered until recently when Twitter user Rebs Gaming, which is the guy who's also been sharing all those glorious Halo Infinite Forge leaks uh, with us all on Twitter, um, showed the video. So apparently, it looks like there's a white Xbox Elite Series 2 controller in the works 
the video looks very convincing. I'm convinced it is real. I, I don't know. Well, maybe hopefully we'll hear about this soon. It'd be cool if it releases. I'm a little disappointed because the the thing with the Elite Series controllers, they announced and released the second version way too close to the Series X that it made me not want to buy it and just wait for a new version, a Series Three, to coincide with the design language of the Series X. So I still don't own one of these things because I'm waiting. But uh, that will be surely a, a nice little two hundred dollar made in China thing. I will buy at some point time because i have no option as a consumer god damn it all right next up vgc jeff Keeley and sega have announced a new look and news about sonic frontiers will be part of the gamescom opening night on august 23rd so stay tuned for that for probably a new trailer and hopefully finally release date because the game is still slated to come out on xbox consoles and pc this year with rumored around november early to mid-november although we don't have a release date so expect a delay on that probably soon Speaking of Sonic, keeping it going, Paramount and Sega have confirmed a planned release date for the third Sonic the Hedgehog movie following the success, the massive success of the first two. According to a tweet from the official Sonic movie Twitter account, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 will be released in movie theaters on De- or cinemas on December 20th, 2024. Usually they come out around springtime, so it's a little, uh, it's a little uh, later in the year. They're going for that Christmas crowd, which is quite ballsy, honestly. And, and just as a side note, this is going to be interesting because the rumor is Jim Carrey might not return for the role of, of uh, Dr. Robotnik. He, he said after Sonic 2 that he's like seriously ready to retire. So the rumor is he might not return, in which case they'd have to come up with a new villain because they've already said they will not recast Dr. Robotnik. It's Jim Carrey or no one. That makes me a little bit, you know, whatever. I, I thought the first one was going to suck and it was surprisingly pretty good. Then I thought, well, surely they'll fuck it up with the sequel. And then the sequel is surprisingly good. But if you don't have Jim Carrey for the third movie, can you really, can you really, dude, I mean, if you've seen the Sonic movies, I mean, I, I love Sonic, so it's easy for me to just enjoy it, but dude, Jim Carrey makes those movies. He's, he's good, so that's going to suck if he's not there. All right, penultimate guy, or no, we got a couple more, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> all right, next up, VGC reports, a live-action Pac-Man movie is currently in development, because why the fuck not? Because we can't stop Tencent from investing in the games industry, but we also can't stop making movies about video games that don't work as movies. According to Hollywood Reporter, the big screen adaptation of the arcade classic will be based on an original idea by Chuck Williams, the producer behind Sega's successful Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Look at that. There are repercussions. Anyway, so that's somewhere in development. Fuck me. Bandai Namco also announced during June's Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase that it's working on a Pac-Man World Repack modernized version of the 1999 PlayStation original platform which will come to Xbox platforms on August 26th. It looks fucking great, by the way. I cannot wait to play this. I loved that game on PS1 back in the day. I will definitely be buying this on Xbox uh, in a few weeks. Next up, VGC reports Modern Warfare 2 beta has been announced and will be available to PlayStation owners first because because PlayStation definitely isn't salty and definitely doesn't think that, you know, I don't know, Call of Duty is such a massive brand, such an independent genre that it has massive sway over which platform people buy. Oh, I don't know, PlayStation, maybe you're crying wolf by doing this bullshit and then bitching about Xbox buying Activision. But anyway, Modern Warfare will release on October 28th, but the beta will come in a couple waves. So if you're a PlayStation guy, you get early access beta if you pre-order it on September 16th to 17th, and then for the rest of the week through the 18th to the 26th or whatever, you'll get an open beta. Um, so basically fuck those dates because that's PlayStation shit. If you're on Xbox, you only get some of that. So if you're on Xbox and you pre-order the game on September 22nd and 23rd, you can play the, uh, the early access pre-order beta. If you did not pre-order the beta and you're on Xbox and PC, you can play the open beta for free on September 24th, 5th and 6th. 
So we get a lot less time on Xbox and PC, but I, I guess uh, PlayStation doesn't mind doing that shit when they have the marketing deal. But when Xbox buys Activision, it's suddenly a problem. Anyway, crossplay will be active during the latter half once Xbox and PC are in the beta, so you can uh, get unfairly sniped by PC players on your console. That's awesome. All right, Back for Blood. Let's talk about it. Next major chapter in Back for Blood's expansion, Children of the Worm, will be released this month, according to WB and Turtle Rock. Uh, the upcoming DLC will release on August 30th. Players will with the annual pass or... Uh, uh, who bought Black, Back for Blood's Deluxe Edition or Ultimate Edition will get the expansion for free, but otherwise will be sold separately. And finally, Windows Central reports Blizzard Entertainment has shared this week that the Overwatch loot boxes will entirely be removed from the game on August 30th, 2022. Players will still be able to earn loot boxes after the end of the anniversary um, with Anniversary Remix Volume 3, whatever the hell that means, event. But, uh... That will be shortly before the launch of Overwatch 2, which we know the reason why they're dropping loot boxes is because Overwatch 2 will be replacing loot boxes with a battle pass because when Overwatch 1 came out, everything was about loot boxes. When Overwatch 2 is coming out, everything's about battle passes. Just got to follow the trend, baby. And that's going to do for all of our news this week. Take a swig of your Mountain Dew or water or tea or coffee. Take a deep breath. Calm down for a second. You've been way too energetic today. Let's read through some comments, guys. You know how it works. You go over to youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast. You click on the latest episode. Don't be cute and do last week's episode. Do the latest episode. And you leave a comment. You can say anything nice. You can say anything mean. You can say, Jesse, I love the enthusiasm this week. I can tell you're really excited about some of the news stories. Good to have you all happy and high energy. Makes the podcast a lot more fun to listen to. I'm like, eh, thanks for that. Or you can be a total dick. You can be like, Jesse, every time you talk about Tencent, my wiener shrivels. Because I don't care. In fact, all I care about are video games. In fact, did you know Halo Infinite is awesome? Because the customization is so fun. When you get to level 100 on the Battle Pass, you get to customize your armor coating. Oh my god. Halo Infinite is so cool. I totally forgive the lack of content because armor customization is all I give a shit about. And I'll be like, well, calm down, buddy. But anyway, no one wrote that, thankfully, thank God. Uh, so we're going to talk about Acting Basher, who writes in with our first comment and says, The amount of excitement I had when you said you downloaded a Plague Tale was palpable. For you to say that you just played COD all week, I had excitement whiplash. Lol. Acting Basher, my apologies. I want, I want you to know, and I mean this genuinely, I'm not just being cute. I read this comment and, it, and it, I actually felt like I disappointed you. It made me sad. I, I want to get to a Plague Tale. I promise you I really do. I definitely want to beat it before the sequel comes out in a little while. In October, I think. Um, so I'm going to try. <laughs> so we'll talk about it sooner rather than later. Heinz Dampf. Dampf. I'm so sorry. I suck at all all reading of any sorts. Uh, writes in. says, speaking of disgusting milk, as we talked about in the past few weeks, do you have Fanta in the States? Did you know its origin is from Germany and was orange-flavored milk before Coke Company took it over? Still listening to every episode while I ditch every other Xbox podcast. Greetings from one distinguishing German. Well, Heinz, I appreciate you writing in. It's a very kind comment. I really appreciate that. Personally, I'm going to recommend you you keep listening to some other Xbox podcasts because there are some really good Xbox podcasts out there, and you are not going to be well-informed if this is the only one you're listening to. I'm just letting you know that right now, but I I greatly appreciate it. That's very kind of you to say, and I appreciate the support for sure. Now, as for your comment, I yes, we do have Fanta in the States. Um, there are multiple flavors of Fanta here in America. In fact, there are too many flavors because some of them are complete dog trash. Complete trash or complete dog shit? Complete dog trash. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we, we have Fanta here. I did not know that its origin is from Germany, and I did not know it was originally orange-flavored milk. I need you to please, for the love of God, write in and let me know, do you guys still drink orange milk? Please, for the love of God. 
I need to know if you guys are drinking orange milk over there in Germany. This is deeply concerning. I can get with the peppermint milk to some extent. The honey milk makes sense. I'll straight up, I won't even fight that one. Orange milk? Jay, I'm calling you from all the way over in Australia. What do you, what do you have to say about orange milk? Would you, as a man who drinks peppermint milk, would you, would you be okay with this? Spearmint? No, not peppermint. I think it's spearmint milk. Would you be okay with this orange flavored milk? Please write in. Because, you know, you see the breakfast commercials, and what I'm, and this is what I'm thinking of, is you see those breakfast commercials, generally for like breakfast cereals and stuff, and they'll be like, part of a balanced breakfast. And they'll show like pancakes and an omelet and fucking toast and bacon and a bowl of cereal and a glass of milk and a glass of orange juice. And I would always, as a child, be so hyper fixated on the idea of someone eating breakfast and they're drinking a tall glass of milk and a glass of orange juice because the cross-contamination of the orange, the the highly citrus, acidic uh, uh, orange juice with the creamy, thick, lactated milk and just combining those flavors together. I mean, you fucking put the orange juice in the milk and what? It's going to curdle, right? Like, seriously, like, you can't be doing that, man. It's just, it's not okay. You know, and I don't, I, I, I just, I just want to say, I don't know what kind of psychopath would possibly drink milk and orange juice. So to make a milk that is orange flavored insinuates that someone out there somehow did it and was like, this makes sense. I'm just going to actually save a bunch of time and energy and combine them into one drink. And the fact that the Coca-Cola company bought that, well, it's all the reason more why I'm a Pepsi man. Fucking Jordan Peterson cancel this motherfucker's ass no thank you for writing it i appreciate it please do follow up about that uh, about that milk and thank you for your kind comment and your kind words hope you're having a great week see we do have some non-americans listening to this podcast isn't so so fuck you tencent all right let's talk about tom brader also known as tomb raider dead captain james our favorite child our original and our you know forever crowned xbox champion writes in and says Tomb Raider, this would be interesting. My gaming group and I have noticed a distinct... This would be interesting referring to last week, um, Tomb Raider potentially going multiplayer. My gaming group and I have noticed a distinct lack of four-player co-op games lately. The trend seems to be three or two players. Yeah, I have definitely noticed this as well. I don't know what it is either. My guess is that there is enough research supporting that gamers have no friends And so it's much easier for someone to be like, I need to get one or two people to play a game with me than to be like, what? I need to find three freaking friends to agree to play a game with me. So that's kind of my knee jerk reaction, but I think probably more likely, I I think a lot of what happens is, you know, I think developers, designers look at, look at the four player co-op kind of experience and they, and they see that. I, I, there has to be some kind of like there has to be some kind of like psychological studies to support this, but my guess is working in a small group or you know a, a duo or a small squad must prove to be much more manageable and fun than four or larger. My guess is that there's some studies that suggest that once you break past three players, working together as a team, working cooperatively and playing together becomes more cumbersome than it does complementary to the game. So that's my guess. It's entirely uneducated. It's entirely uninformed. I don't know this to be true, but my guess is because I feel like that makes sense. You know, like if you, if you told me like, Jess, you got to play this game, it's co-op and you got to play it with a friend or two. I feel like I can manage that. Like I've been playing a little bit of destiny lately with my brother and my nephew. And it's like, I can manage destiny right it's just me and my brother and my nephew it's pretty simple but the second you add a fourth person like think think about when you play four player there is always like that one guy that's kind of like 
lost or lagged behind or forgotten or he's like oh hang on guys uh, I gotta go eat dinner real quick and then he's like gone for half the game you know I feel like it just really hones in on the gameplay like it, it eliminates a lot of room for error and it allows it to be a little more uh, intimate and like focused on the assignment at the task that's assigned at hand you know rather than you know you hit four or five six players or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like whoa 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 I can barely count to four let alone play with four people total uh, anyway, I don't know. That's just my guess, but yeah. Kronky also wrote in about this. He said, a four-player Tomb Raider game, nah, I'll pass. Sounds awful. I, I play a two-player, uh, sorry, I think a two-player co-op would work pretty well, but four-player? How does that not destroy the exploration and traversal part of the game? This would be the Wolfenstein Youngblood of Tomb Raider. That's a good comparison. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen the game. It's not, it's probably pretty early in development. We don't know, you know, who knows what actually happened. And and the whole idea that it would be a co-op experience is my, is my guess. I could be totally wrong. It's, it could be a completely a single-player experience where Laura just goes on adventures with these other Tomb Raiders. I'll, I'll do you one better, Kronky. I think just the idea of having multiple Tomb Raider characters with Laura Croft, multiple aspiring future Laura Crofts with Laura Croft is too much because for Tomb Raider to really work, I feel like it needs to be very isolated and lonely. And that was kind of one of my complaints about the newer Tomb Raider games, especially the first one. Um, and I think I said this last week a little bit, was just that there's just too many players. There's too much communication. I feel like Tomb Raider always had a little bit of like a, you're all alone. It's kind of spooky air to it. And the more, obviously the more players you in, in, introduce that, just the more you dilute that. So I don't know, man, Tomb Raider is already so far removed from what it once was that it's like, I, I can be open-minded to something new. I'm not even that invested in this series. So like, whatever. But this just definitely doesn't seem like the direction to take Tomb Raider in. It really just feels like like Crystal Dynamics is currently staffed and recently versed on four-player co-op because they made Marvel's Avengers. And now they don't know how to break away from that. Like, <laughs> like we know they're working with the Coalition, or not the Coalition, the Initiative over at Xbox on Perfect Dark. Like, is Perfect Dark just going to be a four-player co-op for Joanne Dark's, you know, bump butt-to-butt because they just don't know how to not make a co-op game at this point? Like, I, I don't know, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not too hot on it either, but uh, fun comments. Thank you, guys. Let's talk about some food BS real quick. OG Man says, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, Jesse. Do you like potato salad? If yes, mayonnaise or mustard kind? Okay, the answer is yes and both. Those are your answers. Potato salad is good. Now, in the hierarchy, it's generally better than chicken salad because chicken salad is really good, but it gets old fast. Same with tuna salad, but it's definitely not as good as egg salad. If I'm going to rank those four, you know, chicken, egg, potato, and and, uh, tuna, I'm going to say at the top, you got the absolute goaded king, as they say. That's the egg salad. Potato salad is second. It is a distant second, but it is definitely second. It is definitely superior to the other two. Then you got tuna salad. It's great on tuna melts and sandwiches and salads, why not? And then you got chicken salad, which is fine, but I feel like it gets so old so fast that you get disgusted and you're good for a long time. Um, Yeah, so definitely, yes, I like potato salad. Yes, it's good shit. Not as much as egg salad. And if I had to pick one, I'd say mayonnaise, but I like the mustard kind as well. I don't know. I don't feel like I've eaten enough potato salad to really know which one's definitively better, but I think I would go mayonnaise. Maybe I need to go do some potato salad taste testing. Thank you, OG man. You have given me some homework to do. Henley Merrill writes in and says, David's hot chicken. Found one in my hometown of California. I'll check it out. And I asked, let me know what you think. And then a few days later, you're like, 
all right, I went there. <laughs> so I'm glad you did. Uh, and you said, we got the sliders and fries combo. You're right. The chicken was tender and juicy, not overcooked. Dave's sauce was nothing more than a Thousand Island dressing, and I used my own hot sauce on the sliders and fries. I will return and recommend it. Oh, let's back up. I'm glad you liked it. Awesome. It, it makes me happy that more people are enjoying Dave's hot chicken. Let's not gloss, gloss over this. Did you say you brought your own hot, you used your own hot sauce, like you brought hot sauce from home? Or you make hot sauce and you applied it? Like, how, do, how does this work? Please do not gloss over these important details. What the fuck did you do with the hot sauce? Do you make hot sauce? Do you work for Hot Ones? Do you work for First We Feast? Are you Sean, what's his name? Sean, uh, fucking, I forget his name. Sean from First We Feast, from, from Hot Ones. Are you putting the bomb sauce on your goddamn sliders and fries at Dave's Hot Chicken? Please write in and let me know. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. And more people, let that be an example to you. Dave's Hot Chicken is good shit. I'm not making it up. All right, let's talk about Halo because, of course, people wrote in about Halo, which is our final two comments of the week. EA's King, which is actually AE's King, but I always say EA's King, wrote in and kind of bombarded us with a couple. Here, I'll read them in reverse order. I want to say hi. IDKY, but I, when I play Halo Infinite, I feel a certain frustration, which is more intense, and then a frustration when I get grinding prime parts in Warframe. I don't know what that means, but I think it was a slur. Halo Infinite was will have a logic system, so it's kind of like scripting, but with blocks, so you got to interlink. Okay, that's for Forge. And oh yeah, talking about Warframe, have you ever played Warframe? I think you asked that question recently and I answered. I tried it once, it's not my thing. I think it's really cool, but I'm too invested in Destiny to get into another one of those. But yeah, I, I like Warframe, it's just I don't play it. Uh, but yeah, dude, Halo Infinite will make you frustrated. That is, that is the gameplay hook of Halo Infinite because it's all surrounded by a shit progression system and a terrible battle pass with really, really bad rewards inside. But as I've learned a couple times through example, through, through practice, if you just ignore your battle pass, if you just ignore your rank, if you ignore all the other shit, and you just go into Team Slayer and just enjoy the gameplay, Halo Infinite is very, very good. It's a, it's a very good game that constantly tries to train you to play it in the worst way because of the way it's monetized. But um, hi, EA's King. I hope you're doing well. All right, final comment comes from Kronky, who says, No hate to Halo at all, but Halo doesn't have a particular special universe or setting. This is in reference to last week when I, when I, when I talked about... Actually, I don't even remember specifically, but I was talking about something sci-fi that didn't have a good universe and didn't need to be explored. Man, I don't know why I don't remember. It's, uh, Halo is fairly standard with, within sci-fi, except for 5. 5 had the coolest version of an AI, a vision of an AI revolution. Otherwise, Halo has a story that tells that is good enough uh, when complemented by great gameplay. I agree and disagree. I will say, yes, Halo just as a universe is pretty much just like standard sci-fi. Yes, kinda. There's nothing like super attractive about just like, oh, the UNSC and the Covenant and the alien, whatever. I think some of that stuff does get pretty interesting. I, I'm pretty interested in like, I think the motives and the reason behind the Covenant are really interesting. I think all the story and the lore of the Forerunner is incredibly interesting. You know, I think the whole concept of like, the Spartan program and the cloning and all that. I think that stuff's pretty cool. Although the Halo TV show did a good job of making it seem not cool. But I, I will argue with this. While Halo's sci-fi universe is good, but not necessarily exceptional, the thing that makes Halo 5's story so good, despite it otherwise not being so good, is that Halo 5 is, or Halo in general, is driven by really excellent characters. It is, uh, and, and that's, dude, that's kind of like what makes Halo, you know, I always dunk on Star Wars, so I'll do it again. That's kind of why I like Halo so much and why I'm so easy, it's so easy for me to dunk on Star Wars, because, like, Star Wars is a really cool universe with some cool characters that usually go underexplored and a bunch of really not good characters at all. I'm like, I'm sorry if that offends you, but, like, Yoda is a terrible character, and um, uh, the Luke Skywalker is a really vanilla character. Like, 
like Han Solo is cool. Like the you know Boba Fett is kind of cool. Like, but there's there are not many cool characters in Star Wars. It is a interesting and compelling universe that is constantly misused because they try to make everything interconnected, which makes it feel small and meaningless. But Star Wars is like cool universe, lame characters. Halo is kind of an opposite where it's like it's like standard sci-fi. I, I would agree with that. But the characters, man, I cannot get over. Like, first of all, Master Chief is a genius character, and I don't know if Bungie intended for him to be interpreted the way I think he is and and love the way he is, because having him be so, so stoic and so powerful and so just, like, fucking menacing yet badass yet, like, encouraging and, and, and inspiring all at the same time makes for such a great avatar, especially for a game where you don't get a third-person view, you play from a first-person perspective, and you assume the role of that avatar, because Master Chief is something like an avatar, especially in like Halo 1. I think that's an incredibly compelling character, and then I think Cortana is an incredibly compelling character. I also think Sergeant Johnson's a fucking badass. You always gotta give a shout-out to Johnson. But the, pro- the the thing that makes Halo go from like, oh yeah, it's cool sci-fi, because I agree with you. If we're just talking Halo 1 in particular, it's like, there's some cool lore here, there's some cool ideas, but it, you know, it's just it's just you know, it's just some some simple sci-fi. I mean, it's nothing I'm gonna like write home about. But once you especially start getting into like the three four three era of Halo with like four and five, and it goes from become it, it dude, it does exactly what Star Wars needs to do but refuses to do. It stops trying to make all the fucking pieces of the puzzle connect and make everyone know each other and everything makes sense with each other. And it starts to be like, let's just, like, fuck off. Forget about the Covenant. The Covenant don't matter. We told a story about the Covenant in Halos 1 through 3. We're done. Let's talk about, or that's not entirely true because the Covenant show up in 4 and 5. But, you know, they're not they're not a focal point of the story is what I mean. They're like, let's tell a really compelling story about Chief and Cortana. And then all of a sudden they explore these characters deeply and it's like, fuck. And that's what I that's what I cling on to with Halo. It's the it's it's the thing that Halo 4 in particular. I'll never get over it. I think it's so genius. Just the concept of the computer that's more human than computer paired with the human that's more computer or machine than than it is human. And like they're completely isolated and insular and and separate from the rest of the world. They have no social ability. They have nothing to it. It's really just themselves and they're like always on they're always it's always a mission it's always work related it's always about getting the objective done no time for humanity no time for yourself and just like having that really intimate and isolated relationship with chief and cortana i think is so far and away one of the most superior and and i'm not a sci-fi buff just to be just to be clear and fair about it like i I know sci-fi i love sci-fi but i'm not a sci-fi buff like the many of you listening to this podcast can probably run circles around me when it comes to having a having you know some decent grasp over what good sci-fi is as as subjective as that statement is but i i think halo four in particular that that story that specifically character-driven story is so strong that it, it helped me to grow an affinity for the Halo universe. It, it made me go from Halo's cool, I like the universe, I like the world, I like the storytelling, to like I am deeply invested in Halo's story, and I, I just love it. It makes you care so much. I think I think Reach has a lot of that as well. Um, ODST has a lot of that as well. Three has some of that for sure. I think five has a lot of it, but we don't talk about five because people get upset if you don't say the thing that all the big YouTubers tell you to think. Um, but like. I don't know, man. I mean, Infinite has a bunch of it. Infinite's frustrating as hell because it tries to whitewash all the fucking good shit from 4 and 5, but it also, in its own way, has a lot of that kind of emotional storytelling as well. And so I I, I think Halo is a great character-driven universe set in (laughs) sci-fi. 
And, and to me, that matters way more. Like, dude, Star Wars could benefit so much if they stopped trying to make everything related. If, if every fucking nobody didn't have to be related to Anakin and fucking Obi-Wan and, and, uh, and uh, what's his name? Strauss Zelnick. I don't know. They're all fucking interrelated. But anyway, thanks for the comment, Kronky. Thank you all for writing in. I appreciate it as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. There's a chunky Xbox on. I got to get to editing so we can get this motherfucker out. Uh, if I drove you away with my incessant passion, with my rambling, with my arguing about the Chinese government, then, uh, oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast if you're still listening and that you're here. And I hope you didn't just fall asleep and leave it running. And I really hope there's no one out there who's like, who's like, um, right, right, like fell asleep with Xbox on playing in the background. And now they're like significant other or someone is like, just like, God damn it, turn off that fucking excruciating podcast, please. And then they walk in after it's over and they're like, oh, you've been asleep this whole time and you've just not been receiving the podcast and this person's just been driven mad by it and ultimately it's a product that is pleasing absolutely no one and it's like, what are we doing here, guys? And it's just, you know, it's a whole mess. But hopefully that's not happening. Remember, guys, for next week, don't be shy, reply. And uh, I should have said that before I wrapped up, but, you know. We're going to end it now. If you want to reach out to me, socials, fucking Twitter, Jesse underscore DeRosa, or De- I think that's my name, on or Jesse DeRosa on Twitter, I think. I don't know. I'm trying to not use social media. I don't know if I'm really on there. Follow me on YouTube. Follow the podcast. Leave a five-star review. It helps a great amount. I'm trying so hard to get back into YouTube right now. I tr- genuinely mean it. I have a lot of excitement to make videos, but I'm also at the same time trying to learn how to make some music. I'm trying to work on a, a, on a homemade intro and outro song for the podcast um don't expect that anytime soon but i'm learning how to do it and i'm excited about it. it's fun so thank you all for your support your kindness and your time take care enjoy some great games with some loved ones this uh this week relax uh drink a good mountain dew and uh until next time power your dreams <laughs>